You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 324th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 1,005th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of January 25th, 2024. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. Well, without any games to discuss this week, we'll have to do what IU's coaches did, and that's hit the recruiting trail. So this week's Banner Moment will echo a handful of Banner Moments that we've done in the past right around this time when an IU commit has been named to the McDonald's All-American team. As I'm sure you heard, Liam McNeely was named a Burger Boy this week, and even though he probably would have preferred the honor to come from his beloved Whataburger, there is no more prestigious honor for a high school hoops player than to make the McDonald's team and play in their showcase game. What's truly incredible is that Liam's Montverde team actually had two other players named to the team and likely would have had more were it not for the rule that only three players from one school can make it. The other two Montverde players chosen were Cooper Flagg and IU target Derek Queen, which means IU may end up having two incoming recruits on the McDonald's All-America team, which has happened just three other times since 1977. Do you remember them? Anyway, I can hear what some of you are saying right now. Jared, why are we worried about recruiting? Our team, our team isn't even going to sniff the NCAA tournament this year with two former McDonald's All-Americans on the roster now in Khalil Ware and McKenzie Mbako. What does it matter? Show me the wins. Then I'll care who we recruit. And I mean, I guess that's fine. Obviously, no amount of recruiting stars or all-star games ever guarantees anything once a player gets to college. So I understand the feeling behind the sentiment, even if it is a bit short-sighted. But everyone is free to follow the program in the manner of their choosing, so I'm not here to argue. I'll just present the cold, hard facts. Since the McDonald's All-American game started in 1977, all 15 of Indiana's Sweet 16 teams have had at least one McDonald's All-American on the team. And other than three teams that had just one, 12 of those Sweet 16 teams had at least two McDonald's All-Americans on it. So while I know that individual accolades for players who have never even suited up for Indiana won't do much to warm us during this frigid IU men's basketball winter, it is still something worth acknowledging and at least being moderately excited about. Liam McNeely is the kind of two-way basketball player any Hoops fan can easily appreciate. And while he may not be a star from day one, he profiles as the kind of player who has a chance to impact winning as soon as he arrives. Only time will tell, of course. And as we all know, there won't be a whole lot of winning either way if Indiana can't upgrade its guard play next season, either through internal development or, more likely, the recruitment of an experienced portal guard or two. But you have to think that spot will be made a little more attractive knowing there will be talents like Liam on hand to help ease the burden. So congrats to Liam. It's a great individual honor for a player who may well go down in high school hoops history as a key piece on one of the best prep basketball teams ever assembled. Oh, and those other three times, Indiana landed two McDonald's All-Americans, 1977, Tom Baker and Ray Tolbert, 
1989, Greg Graham and Pat Graham, and 1994, Andre Patterson and Neil Reed. Okay, now let me introduce my co-host for this week's show. Coach is out this week. He is chasing Mrs. Tonsoni around on a date night. Uh, he also won't be here for Saturday's game against Illinois, as he'll be in Champaign for the game. Uh, please insert your own joke here about chasing around Brad Underwood. But here with me, ladies and gentlemen, he is the Kyle Blankenship of Girls U Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and a bracketologist who looms over all others like he's Kalel Ware. The best of you sports coaching, you know that we got them. When it comes to analytic trends, you know he can spot them. For first class bracketology, if you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. If you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. If you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. Andy, before you get to your bottoms line, did you hear the incredible story of Kyle Blankenship from earlier this I, week? I, I had not heard this until I was reading through the run sheet when you said you might be late, so I knew it was in here, and then I came across this, and of course, the way you're scrolling, I didn't see it, and I'm like, who the hell is this guy? So at least you had put the tweet in, so I'll let you, I'll let you speak to it, uh, because it's a pretty interesting story. Yeah, so someone named Adam Nelson tweeted this out, and so he says, best under-the-radar coaching performance so far this season. NAIA LSU Shreveport men's basketball coach Kyle Blankenship took on additional duties as the women's head basketball coach just days before the season started after a late change was made. The men's team is 13 and 3, the women's team 14 and 2. So 27 and 5 combined. Uh, they're also 15 and 2 at home in first place after and the women's team is in first place after whipping off 12 wins in a row. That is like he, incredible. He's, nas double he's national coach of the year, right? Gotta There's be, no right? question. Right. Gotta it's, be. Honor this man. Uh, gotta be. Yes. Feels like a model. A lot of schools are going to look to adopt. I would, I would guess in the future, <laughs> save a little money, save so know, much money. Coach give both like, teams. It'll give be like the regular salary plus like half the other salaries. So they're yeah. making more, but there you go. All right, Andy, your bottom's line on this week in Indiana basketball. Uh, yeah, it, like you said, it's a week off, and uh, quite honestly, it's been nice to get a little bit of a break. I think for uh, a little, a little rough. Uh, obviously, the you know the Friday night game didn't go well. The last time I was on was was Thursday, so it was kind of nice to get a little bit of a uh, a breather from things, uh, and then figure out what's going to happen from here. And and like you know, one of the things we're going to talk about on the show is is kind of what to look for uh, the rest of the season. Certainly, nobody's giving up on it. I think. Um, good for a team that's that's struggling to have some practice time to really work on things at least based on some of Woodson's comments today it seems like they've been uh some tough practices trying to get things uh back on track and so we'll see what that looks like uh on Saturday against Illinois but uh as much as anything getting excited for you know a week from uh tomorrow as we uh as we record this we'll all be together so that'll be fun and uh and really looking forward to uh to the meetup and uh, and everything there so that's uh that's coming up and certainly gives us something to look forward to even if uh the games might feel a little bleak uh or or things like that there still are things to look forward to uh and and watch over the course of the season some of which we'll talk about and, and like i said a big one uh for me is next weekend absolutely all right also here with us he is a senior writer for the big lead a shot doctor without any patience and a man who probably could have offered jim harbaugh some useful counsel before the former Michigan coach decided to sign up to work for the Spanos family in LA. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. Also, I have to report for those listening on the podcast, a lot of controversy in the live chat about Ryan changing his hat 
the the normal TBL hat not being worn is that fan sided? If I have it my is, yeah. logos it's correct, okay. Little company synergy. They're our sister site. Uh, Very nice. But no, I actually I have them all on a rack, and I just I didn't even look. I just grabbed one and put it on. It's the fan side. So go yeah, go go read fan sided and the big lead, please. More more towards the big lead, but don't ignore fan side. I felt like uh, the big lead hat was getting a little like kind of dirty looking. Oh, so it is. It's, Especially uh... since I upgraded the camera, it looks bad. It looks real <laughs> right. bad. So, uh, and those are collector's items. I can't get another one. So uh, they don't make them anymore. Um, <clears throat> boy, I, I'll tell you guys, I've slept a lot better this week with no game in between. I don't know about you guys. Uh, I think this team was uh, very negatively affecting my personal life. Um, no, I, you know, we'll talk about what we're going to talk about as far as, you know, stories from the week. Um, I just, honestly, the thing I'm excited about and Galen posted about it last night, uh, you know, I'm just excited to be there. I'm excited to get to town, you know, in a tough season. I think that that's going to be uh, a real boost to all of us and to hopefully to you guys too, just to get to hang out and, you know, do this in person and, and get to, you know, talk to some of the people who are uh, listening to this and we hope you all can make it uh, February 3rd after the Penn state game, hopefully a game that they will win. Um, but I, I really do think that when things are sagging like this and when there's struggles and, and again, India has plenty of time to turn this around. I think we've, we've been very clear on that. We're down on where they're at right now, but they have enough talent to turn this around. I think that we'd like to see some things change uh, to facilitate that, but you know, it just feels like a bad spot in the season, a really tough run of games and, you know, not a whole lot of hope on the horizon unless something changes. Uh, but I do think just getting there, being there in person, going to assembly hall and, and then getting to sit down, see these guys in person, which, you know, it's, it's like number seven on the thing I'm looking forward to, but it's in there. Um, but, you know, get to sit down in person with people and, and talking to you in a basketball and, and, you know, immerse ourselves in the community that that is built up around this program i think that's uh that's the thing i look forward to every year the most and and i'm excited for that so i've been thinking about about that a lot this week because i haven't had to think about the team uh and so yeah please we we've set up before but we'll say it again you know please come come out uh on february 3rd upstairs and and come see us bloomington always brings it you can always count on bloomington that is for sure that is for sure. Um, okay, here's what we have in store for you this week. Segment one, we've got a few Hoosier headlines to go through, which will include a preview of the IU-Illinois game on Saturday. Then in segment two, we're going to spend some time talking about what to watch for down the stretch this season. Even if Indiana turns it around, probably still not going to make the NCAA tournament, but that doesn't mean that the rest of these games are meaningless at all. And so we're going to talk about some of the important things to watch. And then we'll dive into the mailbag because we've got a bunch of good questions. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first... Let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Home field apparel, for the team. Yes, this edition of Assembly Call Radio, like all shows on the Back Home Network, presented by our friends at Home Field Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. Uh, and modeling Home Field Apparel this evening is Ryan Phillips, who has on the bison hoodie, the original bison hoodie uh, that was really one of their first big bestsellers. Uh, and this is what they do. You know, they pull old logos like the bison uh, out of the dustbins of history, bring them back, breathe new life into them by putting them on these comfortable, you know, whether it's a T-shirt or a crew neck or a hoodie or a quarter zip or a bomber jacket. I mean, they just have so many different products now. 
and so many different schools. It's not just Indiana. It's not just the Big Ten. They are all over the country constantly doing refreshes. Connor told us a couple of weeks ago they're going to have an IU refresh soon. Just saw today, you know, they're adding to their Arkansas and Kentucky collections. And that's why it's so important to follow them on Twitter, sign up for the email alerts, the text alerts, the app. You want to know when the new stuff comes out so you don't miss it. And plus, they often do little flash sales where you can get 20% off. And so whether you're shopping for yourself to get IU gear, shopping for friends or family, maybe for a birthday or a gift, go to homefieldapparel.com. You can use our promo code HOME23 anytime if it's your first order. That'll give you 15% off. But again, keep your eye out because they're always giving you ways to save uh, ordering their stuff. So it's homefieldapparel.com, HOME23 for 15% off. Wear one for the team. All right, uh, Ryan, you mentioned the meetup that is coming up. And just real quick to give folks the details, um, and you can go to our website, assemblycall.com, uh, right up there. It's either the first or second story on there. We've got all the details for the meetup, uh, but it's going to be on February 3rd. The Penn State game, I believe, is a noon Eastern time tip. Uh, if you don't have tickets to the game, you can watch it at Upstairs. Uh, a bunch of people will be there, including Galen and Scott. Uh, from Crimson Cast, and so they're going to do a little halftime show. They'll probably hop on the mics right after the game because it'll take us a little bit of time to get from Assembly Hall over to upstairs. So they'll be there to provide some entertainment. When we get there, you know, then we'll do our thing. Um, and it's just going to be a really fun afternoon of talking basketball and hanging out with you all. Uh, we're very excited that it's sponsored by Hard Truth Distillery. Uh, and apparently they're going to have T-shirts there for the first 100 folks. I don't exactly know the logistics, but there will be t-shirts, uh, and we're also doing a raffle to support Hoosier Ticket Project. And boy, did we get some good stuff. I got some previews of some of the stuff that we have. It's really, really nice. Uh, so all that's going to be going on. But, you know, most importantly, uh, you'll be there, we'll be there, and it's just so much fun to be able to hang out. So if you're in and around Bloomington, uh, please come stop by. And if for some reason you're going to be there but can't quite make it to the meetup, We'll be out Friday night. We'll be out later Saturday. Let us know. You know, we're there to meet you all. And so please let us know uh, if there's an opportunity to do so. By the way, sign up for the raffle because if you don't, you are missing out one and two. The last time some people didn't and multiple people got multiple things <laughs> and you could have that could have been you. Like, I mean, so uh, I, I I will never forget that. I forget it was like somebody's mom got like three great yeah. things. We haven't figured uh, out how it's going to work. If it's going to be a silent auction with the items or if everybody just pays to have a chance and it's drawn, we got to figure out the logistics. But, but show we'll up figure all that and out. take a look. Based yeah, on one of the things you told me, I would like you to do whatever gives me the best chance to win. Yes, <laughs> exactly. All, yes. IU <laughs> Artifacts always comes through, guys. Yes. So. And no, we didn't get the Cheney needs one sign because that would not be raffled. I would be just taking that and then you would never see me again. Um, but no, <laughs> it'd be uh, but a no, storage it's, it's... unit somewhere outside of Dallas <laughs> for the next 20 years as it matures. And gets... What happened to Jared? Oh, he found the sign. He's he found he's the sign. Yeah. He's, he's done. <laughs> that it? It was nothing more than he needed. We just to see Jared. We'd, see, we'd be starting the show and we just see Jared running. Someone would just see his legs running out the back like Scooby Doo. He's gone. That's yeah. <laughs> never the reason we started again. the show in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's see, just a quick note on Derek Queen. Uh, our friend Rob Cassidy from Rivals uh, had an update on Derek Queen, which really echoed what others have been saying, which is, you know, obviously he's pushed his decision off. Sounds like he's, you know, keeping his options open. That may potentially include uh, looking a little closer at Kansas and Houston. And I think, you know, trying to figure out who's going to be coming, who's going to be going. 
from everyone I talked to, there's still a lot of reason to believe Indiana's in good shape, but, you know, we'll see. So that's kind of where but it's his, at. There's no time frame on the decision, but just to keep you updated. But his top two choices for the longest time are Maryland and Indiana, and both are having rough seasons. I mean, it, yes. it's not shocking that he would want more time for the decision. I think the longer this goes, the worse it is for those teams. Um, and not saying he wouldn't commit there, but, like, you want to get this done as soon as possible in recruiting. You want to be the first day of signing day. You want to have your guys in the line. Coaches hate when it drags out like this. And because it does open up the opportunity for other avenues to come in, the longer it is. So um, it's just kind of like in professional sports. You don't want your good players hitting free agency. If you want to bring them back, you know, you want to get them locked down as soon as possible. And this is the same. So not saying this does it. This bodes, as you said, bodes poorly, for for indiana or maryland but the longer this season goes bad it gives him more reasons to doubt uh and and the longer this goes on so but on uh, the bright side i mean nothing to worry about from samson herself you know everything will be above board yeah totally no those guys those guys are straight shooters they would not especially samson would not would never undermine indiana (laughs) i mean (laughs) stand up guy uh all right well indiana brand means a lot to him yes uh Andy, our, our week-long reprieve from no games ends on Saturday. Um, and I think, look, this break was good for everybody for a lot of the reasons that Ryan said. Um, you know, hopefully the team, you know, had a chance to get better, kind of work on themselves individually. But they have one of their toughest games of the season at Illinois, uh, a team that has played really well with and without Terrence Shannon. Um, now, they've lost a couple games recently. Um, they've actually lost two of their last four. They lost to Maryland and Northwestern. They beat Michigan and Rutgers. Um, and they beat Michigan and Rutgers soundly. And so, you know, this is really a good test, I think, for which group of Big Ten teams IU belongs to. You know, are they more in that kind of middle of the pack, like a Maryland and a Northwestern, and will be able to compete? Uh, or are they more like Michigan and Rutgers and kind of bringing up the rear of the conference? Um, you know, in a game like this, you know, it's not necessarily one that you expect to win. Indiana has, what, like a 9% chance. Um, but I think, you know, Zach Osterman really put it well in the latest episode of Mind Your Banners when he says it's not necessarily a must win, but it is a must perform. You know, it feels like a game where Indiana needs to play well, kind of build some confidence to help turn things around. And so I will turn it to you. The big question is, will Khalil Ware play? We don't know. We should, you know, maybe know more if he practices down the stretch this week. What do you look at as the keys to this game for Indiana? Uh, yeah, a couple of things. I think when you look at when you look at team statistics uh, in this one, a couple of things really jump out. First one, Illinois ranks 16th in the country in offensive rebound percentage. So uh, all that sleep that Ryan was getting just you know went away immediately with mentioning that. Given some of IU's struggles it. there, thank you. Um, I didn't tell you till now, so I guess that's good. Will um, you need an alarm clock for a three Eastern tip, or will you be good? I'll be good. Okay, I'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> no. If it, if it were two Eastern, that's a problem, but yeah. three, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, offensively in total, Illinois ranks seventh, at least as I'm looking at it right now and adjusted offensive efficiency. I think uh, that's really where they can, they can hurt you. I'll get to a couple of individual matchups in a minute, but the offensive glass is good. They shoot um, two point range really well. Got a number of guys who can drive it um, and, and score inside. So, uh, have some threats there, certainly not an elite three-point shooting team, kind of middle of the pack, really shoot it just about the same as IU does, uh, quite honestly. They just shoot it uh, with more frequency, uh, quite a bit more frequency, uh, I would say, as you look at it that way. So big thing for me is, you know, what can IU do on the glass? Can they limit some of the looks inside? And then on the other end, Illinois is 31st in defensive efficiency, 
They do not put teams on the line uh, from a defensive free throw rate standpoint. So that's an area that while you hasn't shot free throws well, we've talked about they've been adept at getting to the line. If you can get them in foul trouble, Illinois really in the last couple of games since Shannon's been back has pretty much played seven guys. Uh, and they haven't played Dane Danger much at all in those games. So it'll be interesting to see if they use him a little bit more given some of IU's personnel, uh, if that will be there. So that'll be interesting. And their two-point defense is really good. They're 11th right now in two-point defense. So is IU able to you know score inside like they want to? they able to get to the free throw line? Uh, I think those will be some of the bigger you know team-related storylines. Otherwise, the, the biggest matchup challenges that IU is going to have is just the fact that Illinois has a number of guys who are 6'6 who play in the backcourt. Uh, so whether it's Gabe Cups or Xavier Johnson, there's not a clear matchup for them uh, when Terrence Shannon and Damask are both on the court. Uh, if Justin Harmon plays a little bit more, he's only 6'4", maybe you've got some things that you can do there. But they use Damask a lot like what Penn State did with Jalen Pickett last year, where he backs guys down in the post, tries to play make from there. And that's really what they relied on heavily without Shannon. And even uh, in the game against Northwestern last night, he was really effective at that as well. So IU has to figure out how they deal with those guys. Who do you put Galloway on? You've got to put Mbako on one of those guys, which is going to be a tough cover for him, or you're putting somebody who's really undersized in that in that position. So how IU defends those two guys is going to be critical because there's Galloway is probably a good matchup for either of them. But he cannot guard both of them based on um, based on what I know about uh, college basketball and defense. So figuring out how to how to deal with them. And Coleman Hawkins is a is a pretty dynamic player as well. I think at least when you look at what IU has inside, they don't want to give you know a ton of fouls on him. Probably looking to force him to take some outside shots and settle for some outside shots. But he's been playing a ton of minutes uh, at the expense of Danger, who, who really, like I said, has not played early at all in the last couple of games. And Hawkins, I think in the overtime game last night, played 42 minutes. Uh, so they're using him a lot. Maybe a good thing that they're not good that Illinois lost, but they do have a somewhat short turnaround uh, to the game. You know, late last night, playing an overtime game. Travel wasn't a big deal, but uh, turnaround to play again Saturday afternoon. Maybe that maybe that helps IU a little bit. I think Damask also played 40-plus minutes in that one uh, as well. Why does Indiana have to play teams coming off losses? Like, well, I mean, that. <laughs> I noticed that as well. I th- th- thought the same thing about uh, they're good enough. We don't need them angry. Yeah, like, it's, exactly. You know. Exactly. So Ryan, yeah, I think, the, co- I think the silver lining, at least for IU, is like Illinois has lost. They lost at home uh, to Maryland a, a couple weeks ago. So they're not invincible at home. But like I said, some of the matchups I think are difficult. But at least you can go in and give yourself a, you know, hey, another team that we've beaten has gone in there and, and won. So. Uh, maybe that, that was without Shannon that, too, for whatever that matters. Well, let's yeah, that's true too. But. But, um, so Ryan, here's my question to you. I mean, I think yeah. it's very unlikely Indiana is going to win this game. Doesn't mean it's impossible. Yes. yes. What is the minimum that needs to happen for us to have a pleasant post game show? I just want them to be competitive and not get blown off the floor. I mean, you know, you look at the Wisconsin game. I've had so many people like, well, they only lost by twelve and they're missing where. It's like watch the game. Yeah. Like it was a 20 point game. It was more than 20. And Wisconsin just went, all right, we're up 20 at home. Let's kind of cruise. Indiana's done that too against teams. You know, you get up big and it's hard to keep college kids focused and, you know, keep the hammer down. You get up big, you want to showboat and dunk and you stop playing defense. You're trying to do, you know, runouts and things like that. It happens. Um, but they got, they got run off the floor. 
at Rutgers. They got bludgeoned by Rutgers. They got run off the floor by Nebraska. Like, I don't want to see that anymore. I want this team to play hard. I don't care how they start. I don't care how they play in the middle. I don't care how they play the beginning of the second half. I don't care how they finish. I want the game to be competitive. That's it. Illinois has a lot of talent, but so does Indiana. And that talent needs to start showing up on the court during games. That's what I want to see. I want to see a coach with a strategy to attack this team specifically, not a strategy that he uses every single game to varying degrees, no matter who he's playing. I want to see something designed to beat Illinois. You had a week to prepare. How are you going to attack Illinois? Not how are you going to run your offense like you always do? How are you going to beat Illinois? How are you going to defend Illinois? That's what I want to see. And 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 do I think that's going to happen? I don't I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what to think of this team from week to week. I really don't. Um cuz sometimes they play like they're supposed to and sometimes they play like a group of people who have never shared a floor together. And and so I don't want to see that this week. I know they're on the road. I know it's a tough game. I know it's probably a loss. They're not expected to win. I just want to see them play like they think they have a chance and like they got a lot of pride in the result. That's what I want to see. And and on the road this year, we have not seen that. Yeah, well said. Uh, that game, 3 o'clock Eastern tip on Saturday. We will have a post-game show immediately following it. I'll be there. You'll be there, Ryan. It may yep. just be us, but we'll see. We might get somebody else. Like I said, Coach will be there, but I don't know if – I'm not sure if he's going to pop on or not afterwards. So we'll see. he's going to yeah, be all flustered. Res- he's in the same still the restraining order and the, the <laughs> parameters of that to sort out. It's, he's going to have to leave the arena immediately it's, it's after the situation. game. <laughs> He's got to sit in the hallway for the press conference so he can listen, but he can't really. Yeah, it'll be weird, but it's yeah, fine. it'll it'll be strange. Um, all right. Coming up on Assembly Call Radio, we're going to push back a little bit on this notion that we're starting to see that the season is over just because the NCAA tournament seems so unlikely. There's still a ton of storylines to follow as we head down the stretch of the season. We'll talk about it next. Stick with us on the Assembly Call. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, The ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right. Hello to all of the live folks who are here in the chat mob. Great to see you all. Uh, Good to see you too, Ryan and Andy, as always. Yeah. Feels like we haven't talked in forever, and it's only been like four days. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's a long time during the season, though. And we have, it is. Apparently, it really is. There's another one of these long breaks coming up later, too. 
after the Purdue that one of the one of the podcasts. I, that yeah, I to I'm so I week to week during the season. Like, if you ask me what's happening in two weeks, I have no idea. It's just, yeah. I mean, I think it's part of it's because of NFL with my well, the day Super Bowl job. is happening in two weeks. So yeah, and I mean, I'm so, like, I'm I, not, I, I'm not familiar with what is what sport is that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It. no, don't worry about it. You, if you haven't gotten into it now, it's oh, okay. not worth it. Good. Rules Good. are complicated. Just yeah. Um, no, but it's, it is kind of like my, all my body focuses on NFL for work. And then I get off work and I'm like, oh shit, Indiana. Like, (laughs) you know, it's like, uh, but I do love that every year, Indiana, I'm knocking on wood, helps us out by having a home game on a Saturday, the week between the championship games and the Super Bowl. So I can go. (laughs) That always ends up being the best time. Yes. It always it's I I was telling a friend about this, though. It's like I think we've done this like seven, like six or seven times now. We've done like a meetup even without the regular show. And I was like, I think five of them have been the worst weather weekend Indiana has had of the year. Yeah. In five of those. And I think this year is the this year looks clear so far. Yeah, It looks nice. It looks really nice. Don't jinx it. I know. I know. I remember one time it was a really nice weekend. It was 2020, right before the pandemic. It's a really nice weekend. And the day we were leaving, it snowed like a foot and we got stuck because we had the later flight. It was great. Yep. Um, All right. Let's hop into segment two. Here we go. This is Verdell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater? A full court dribble and a perfectly placed pass to set it all up. And of course, celebrating with Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on an assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Verdell. Welcome back to the assembly call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And guys, let's talk about kind of our mindset heading in here down the stretch. And, you know, let's start by just kind of being real about where Indiana is. You know, Indiana's record is 12 and 7. In and of itself, the record 12 and 7, you know, isn't necessarily bad, right? I mean, it all just depends on who it's you've beaten, good, who you've lost but... to. Right. But, but if some of the wins were good and if more of the losses were a little bit closer and more competitive, it wouldn't feel quite as bad. I guess what I mean is, some people look at that, they look at 12 and 7, there's still all this time left, and it's like, oh, we got plenty of time. You know, we have a couple of questions. You know, who do we need to root for, you know, f- you know, to for right. Indiana's NCAA tournament chances? And it's like, honestly, I wouldn't even be thinking about that. Like, I went in- and did Bart Torvik's bless, team. Bless your heart, yeah, guys. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, went, I went to and used Bart Torvik's team cast. I switched the Kansas game to a win and the Purdue game to a win. And Andy, we were still the 24th team off the bubble. Now, I don't know if that would wow. actually be in reality what it would be, but that is a bit of a sign for just kind of where things are. Again, I think if both those were wins, we'd be a little bit better, but obviously well, they're not. Inherently, yeah, I mean, inherently, all the metrics will look better and some of those things, which I don't know how he, when you flip stuff on that, like what happens there. But uh, Where are I, they in Bart Torvik? I haven't seen this week. Nine, in the 90s. They've all they've all basically kind of coalesced around the same yeah, place. Ken Palm's ninety four. I know that. Yeah. Oh, so, Indiana is ninety in Bartorvik. Okay. Yeah. All that to say, the NCAA tournament is not out of the question, and there's always the Big Ten tournament, but it is very unlikely right now. And so we say that just to set expectations. Now, as far as the NIT goes, there is one guy, John Templin. I think it's at NY Buckets on Twitter, who does NIT bracketology. 
Uh, he has IU in, but not as a top four seed that would get a home game. But he has Indiana in the NIT, but it's not, you know, solid. So, I mean, you know, even just to make the NIT, Indiana is going to have to do some work here down the stretch. So certainly there's, you know, that part of it, you know, just thinking about, hey, can we make, you know, some kind of tournament? But, you know, even beyond that, there are a lot of, of interesting and important things to watch for as we go down the stretch. And so, you know, I have a, a few things listed here, but Ryan, I want to go to you first on this. Um, you know, just kind of what is your general mindset as you go down the stretch here with this team? You know, what are some of the things that you were going to be looking for, you know, to to feel better at, you know, at the end you know, of the season in March than you do right now? Sure. Um, I think I need to see growth from some of the guys who are going to be returning. Um, we don't know if, you know, where and Baco have, have, have played very well this year. Um, and they were both question marks because one's a freshman. One had a reputation at Oregon for not working hard, whatever. I think they've both been very good players. And I see so many people being like, oh, well, they're coming back. It'll be great. And it's like, there's a real good chance that they're both gone next year, guys. And and so I think people need to accept yeah. that and be surprised if they return, pleasantly surprised if they return, but have the mindset that they're going because they plan to go and they both played pretty well. Uh, and certainly Mbako shown some growth. Ware was better at the beginning than he is now, uh, but he's also fa- been uh, facing much more physical defenders. But the, the you see what's there. But I want to see from the rest of the guys who are going to be back, I want to see growth. I want to see moving forward. I want to see mature, smart basketball. I mean, one of the things about this team that we complain about the most is basketball IQ. Do they get smarter? Do they stop doing dumb things? And do we start to see guys? I mean, I, I don't think Gabe Cups does dumb things, so I don't want to bring him up right after saying that. But do we start to see him be more aggressive offensively, start to be willing to take more shots? His defense and his energy are great. I need to see him be a little bit more of a playmaker, and I need to see him start taking some of the offensive responsibility on himself. It's not fair to him that he has to do that, but if we're already turning the page to think about next year, he's got to start showing something this year, I think, or else Indiana's going to go get a point guard in the transfer portal uh, because they need offense from the point guard position. Um, Indiana's going to get a point guard in the transfer portal. Probably (laughs) anyway, but I mean, they'll bring in somebody who's a definitive starter, you know, and, and maybe Cubs can play with him, but... You know, if Cups wants to be the point guard in Indiana, he's got to start showing some growth offensively. And and he's done I, I I don't dislike what I've seen from Gabe Cups this year. I need to see more offensively. Um showed a little more against Wisconsin, which he was did. one of the bright spots to me in that game. Certainly did. And I want I want to see that continue as opposed to be like a blip on the radar. Yeah. Um, but guys like Gunn and Banks and and some of these bench guys, I want to see more from them. Show me more. Um Malik Renu has shown me everything I've wanted to see from him. I'd like to see a little, maybe a couple more three pointers out of him. Uh, but other than that, I, I've seen everything I need out of him. I want to see some of these other guys get back. And the, and the other thing I want to see too is adjustments. I want to see the coaching staff adjust. What you're doing isn't working. We all know it. Like it's, you had a plan and the plan got blown up. It happens. We're not blaming you for, you know, thinking one thing was going to happen and having the other thing it happens all the time in sports, but how do you respond to that happening? Do you keep trying to do the same things or do you say, Hey, you know what? Maybe we need to do this and we need to adjust and maybe we need help from outside sources and talking to other people and figure out how to break this up and figure out how to do it and figure out how to utilize the talent. We have the best, even if you don't make the tournament, if you see Woodson and his staff willing to adjust and do something different, that gives you hope moving forward that you don't have to keep recruiting guys and making sure, ensuring they're not square pegs and round holes, and they actually fit, and he can mold his system to those guys. We have not seen that yet, and that's what I want to see. Yeah. 
So let I want to save individual players here for sure. just a minute, and we're going to go through those. But Andy, you know, there's it, it's interesting. You know, there's this narrative that's kind of been in Mike Woodson's favor, and you hear it all the time that Indiana has played its best basketball toward the end of the season, the last couple seasons. And certainly there have been, you know, moments at the ends of these seasons where they've played well. But it's really interesting when you look at it. In 2000 uh, in 2022, his first season, Indiana was 2 and 7 in February and March before making that Big 10 tournament run. They actually dropped from 24th to 48th in Ken Palm over that 9-game stretch at the end of the season. And we're down by 17 at halftime of the Michigan game before, I mean, just playing incredibly. Yeah. In 2023, Indiana went three and three in their last six games, dropping from 19th to 31st in Ken Palm. You'll remember, you know, the the yes, there was the win over Purdue, but there was the horrible loss to Iowa, the close win over Michigan. They just kind of went back and forth. Then they, you know, lost, you know, kind of flaccidly against Penn State in the Big Ten tournament. Um, you know, so they were okay, but not great. And so that narrative, like, there's some truth to it. But when you actually look at the numbers, the team on a per possession basis has in a lot of ways played worse as they've gone down the stretch. And so, you know, to me, one thing that I'm really looking for here, you know, I mean, surely they've bottomed out by now, we hope. And so can this actually be a season where Indiana really does turn it around? And here as we go through the last few weeks, actually play better toward the end of the season, Um you know, because it's not something that over a long scale of weeks, Indiana has shown. They've just kind of had some important pockets of good play at the right times over the last couple of years. You know, what does that look like this year? Yeah, it, it'll be interesting because I think one of the things you could look at, certainly for, for last year, probably fair, even the year before, the amount of minutes that guys had played, Trace in particular, over the course of the season and particularly down the stretch when it was critical for them to try to win games was a lot. And it was a lot by necessity, but at some point are, are people just going to break down? I think there's elements of what he's done this year. We can criticize some of the line changes and those kinds of things that may have mitigated a little bit of that from a minute perspective. Now you had a game the other night where Renew had to play the whole game because where wasn't there. And at least you, you, you know, maybe in your back of your head, it's, well, we got a week off you know, he'll get time to rest then. So I think that could be a contributing factor to, to some of what you saw. But yeah, last season, they kind of forgotten, uh, just in looking back at it now, just alternated wins and losses quite a bit as they went down the stretch. A couple of the losses were were by big margins on the road. Uh, if you think about, uh, or no, the one was at home against Iowa, lost handily to Michigan State on the road during that stretch. And uh, you know, most of the wins were were close down down the stretch so i think that kind of hurts your metrics a little bit you're not you know winning by by as much so i think for this team it'll be interesting to, I, it it was the thing that we said over and over at the beginning of the season what is this team going to look like in february and march and even though they're probably not going to be as good as what everybody hoped they would be in february and march you still want to be able to see that growth and be able to see guys competing on a more consistent basis uh not just in spurts at the beginning of a half at the beginning of a game does that level itself out a little bit as you get guys uh just you know giving more consistent effort executing more consistently some of the basketball iq stuff that ryan talked about uh, i think i think those are things that will show some growth and I, i'd like to obviously see some kind of adjustments that's going to help facilitate that now 
this is not going to this team is not going to turn into uh like watching Creighton offensively over you know over the last 7 days it's not going to be a massive i mean if they came out and played like Creighton or Alabama i would just fall down and and pass out i would even think. if they stumbled um, all over themselves i would just applaud the effort and be so excited yeah. to watch it be like look guys we got a week we're going to change literally everything that we're doing uh, so I don't think that's a fair expectation, uh, no. but I would like to see some tweaks, at least of things that can um, that can make incremental improvements to what we've seen. And to be fair to Coach Woodson, he has done that in the past. I mean, you remember the first season. I mean, he let Xavier Johnson and Trace Jackson Davis run wild with the pick and roll like he hadn't before. And that really helped, you know, to kind of get, you know, get things yep. turned around there late. So he has done some of that. He's already started to adjust some of the, the substitution patterns and lineup stuff, you know, maybe not to everyone's liking, but, you know, he, he does seem like a coach Ryan who, you know, really kind of has a set way that he wants to run like the first five, six weeks with the same lineups and do everything the same way. And then it's like, okay, I've learned my team a little bit. Let me tweak a little here, tweak a little there. I'm with you. I, there's obviously a lot more that I'd like to see, and there are just certain systemic issues that we just kind of have to get used to because well, there's it's not, it's not so much low basketball IQ as it is doing what the coach wants. Um, to some degree, yes. those two things coincide at times. No. It seems, but yeah, I I don't. I mean, don't look for a sea change. I mean, you're not going. They're not like yeah. like you guys said. They're not going to completely change the way they play over the next few weeks. They're just not. And this is going to be a very post heavy look to the post first offense, all that. But maybe you can start doing a little more pick and roll, but switch it to a pick and pop with a guy like Ware Renew who can shoot out there. Uh, we don't see a whole. I mean, we see pick and roll, but not heavily like you do with Trace Jackson Davis at all. It's mostly a straight post up, and it might be that he doesn't think Renew and I mean Trace was really good on the floor. Um, with his movement and with his cutting and all of that stuff. Um, maybe he just thinks where he doesn't trust where and renew to do that. Cause they're younger. I, I don't know. And I don't know why at this point, why aren't you trying everything? Um, but you might see a few more things run for shooters. You might, but I mean like defensively, you can't run nail slot rim anymore. This team cannot run that. I'm sorry. They cannot run it. And I know they've adjusted it in the past to, you know, don't go so far out. It don't help so much. Don't leave your man this much, but they can't run it at all. I mean, any version of it is awful with this team. It just is. They leave too many shooters open. I, I was talking to, I was arguing with somebody on Twitter online. I know it's shocking, um, but so many good sentences know, start out. I'm with sure. That phrase. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it proved to be an excellent use of your time. That, that will assuredly be the end of this story, yes. but please, uh, and we, we solved all the problems guys. I'll let you oh. know that oh, uh, we came to a, came to an easy resolution and solved the world's problems. Sweet. You and bucket no, boy uh, 69. Well done. Yeah. Just like we set out for it's uh no, but, it, you know, somebody said to me, like, well, you know, uh, you're down on the three-point defense, but when they beat Maryland and they beat Ohio State, their, you know, teams didn't shoot well against them. It was like, watch the game. Ohio State had probably nine wide-open three-pointers in the second half and just missed. And, and I, I mean, you know, it, like, uh, Maryland can't shoot. So Maryland's low three-point percentage. Well, you expect that. But, uh, you know, and, and so what you see is them leaving shooters and they have, and this happens in basketball. Sometimes you get lucky. You just do. And it's happened against IU too. IU's had wide open guys miss shots. I mean, there's luck involved, um, but their inability to guard shooters when teams are on action for shooters is staggering and that can't continue. And whatever the defense is trying to do is not working. And when Cleo Ware is in there, at least you have him on the back end to, you know, harass 
a, a layup or a, a dunk attempt or whatever, you got no defense for the three point line right now. And I, I just, I don't know what you do. I don't I mean, know to be how fair, to fair, It has it. been better in big 10 play. I mean, it has set percentage wise. Certainly. Much and, and I, I agree. And, and certainly it has been, but at the same time, it's, you're still giving up way too many open looks. And then those open looks also lead to other things because you have a hard closeout and the guy drives right by you. You know, yeah. I mean, it's it didn't look a whole it, lot better when Klezmet was raining threes. From yeah, in and and, and again, continue to double leaving. And I, as I said, leaving shooters open doesn't always lead to a shot. It leads, you know, lead, lead to a three point shot. It can lead to other things. And you get scrambling. And how often have we seen Indiana just literally chasing the ball because they can't catch up with the rotation? So yeah. I just want to see an adjustment there play more competitive games. That's, that's it. Like their losses have felt so uncompetitive for most of the season, most of their losses. I won't say all of them, but most of their losses have felt so uncompetitive. This team's too talented to be uncompetitive. It really is. Breaking news. Uh, there is actually a Twitter account, bucket boy 69. You will not be surprised to learn that it is suspended. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a shame. Who would it's a shame. <laughs> I did not, I did not get him suspended just so we're clear. <laughs> who would have thought um you know the other thing andy you know ryan started talking about malik renew and look obviously you know you'd love to see continued development from malik renew i mean he what he has done this season he has taken a major leap in efficiency while also taking a big leap in usage guys who do that as sophomores at this usage level you know 25 26 27 whatever it is those are the types of players that become stars if they stay around college basketball. And the trajectory that Malik Renew is on right now is maybe second or third team all Big Ten, probably entering next season as an all-conference you know, player, maybe even all-American talk for him as a junior. You know, This is the kind of profile he will have. And to me, Andy, you know, obviously he needs to be a rock that you're building on moving forward. And he is a guy who will have as many options as he wants after the season. If he's not enjoying his time at Indiana, if he doesn't feel like he can win here, he could go somewhere and play next year and possibly find himself in a better situation. And so to me, one of the huge reasons to win and play better and show forward momentum and progress is not just so, you know, portal lead guard and portal two guard find Indiana attractive, but it's also, and, and look, I have no inclination at all that Malik Renew isn't just overjoyed with his time in Bloomington, Right. But a player with those kinds of options, we know what this era of college basketball is. And so I think what happens between now and then could go a long way towards kind of defining how he feels about Indiana moving forward. Um, and so I think that in addition to his personal development, just, you know, what does it look like? Is there a foundation here, especially with guys like Cups uh, and Galloway that we know for sure will be here? You know, what kind of foundation can they lay here down the stretch? Because it's turning into his program. And so how he feels about that program at the end of the year is going to be one of the most important things that can happen. Yeah, I mean, really, from a, a leadership standpoint, I think you guys mentioned this on the, the show after the Wisconsin game. Like He really has been this team's leader and its anchor when he's been in there. And so you look, it, it's it's kind of remarkable to, to sit here and look back at these last handful of games. Purdue game notwithstanding where he only ended up with eight points. But if you start back at the North Alabama game, I mean, his points have gone 25, 34, 14, 23, 13, 16, eight against Purdue, and then 28. Like, just really, really consistent. And he's been in double figures all the other games as well, save for one uh, when he got in some foul trouble against Moorhead State. So I, I think 
I think you're right. He's obviously taken a huge step uh, from a usage standpoint. What I talked about with with Trace and how the team just felt worn down at times in some of these other seasons. I think the weight of, uh, particularly a couple of years ago, we talked a lot about the travel. Uh, getting out to play St. Mary's, but I think in general, just the burden that was on them down the stretch of that season to be able to get there really took its toll on them physically. So Malik has taken that big step up. He's played well enough to stay out of foul trouble to, to log that many minutes. And so now it's, can he, can he finish strong, continue to build on what he's done and, and the versatility that he's shown and uh, you know, be really a pillar for what this team could be next year, because that's ultimately the the question that you're looking at, you're kind of framing everything, at least from my perspective, you're kind of framing most things through the remainder of the season around who's back next year and what growth did they show down the stretch that give you an idea of what role they can play, what role the coaching staff can reasonably expect them to play as you go forward. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Uh, you know, as we start looking at individual players, you know, and Andy, you kind of alluded to this there, there's kind of some different groups of them, right? So you've got your departing seniors, guys we know are gone, Xavier Johnson and Anthony Walker. You know, I've appreciated what Anthony Walker has brought to the roster, but there's not really, you know, anything about his development that matters for the future. In fact, you could start to argue, at what point do you start giving his minutes to Caleb Banks because it's important for future development? You know, that, that is something I would probably like to see moving forward. Xavier Johnson, he is not part of the future, but I do think he's such an important and essential part of the present that, you know, investing in his, I don't even want you call it, you know, rehabilitation this season as a player is really important because Indiana's not going to win games and play a lot better without him playing better. And I think as you're looking to, hey, how do we make this attractive to an experienced portal guard next season? Well, you know, if Mike Woodson can take Xavier Johnson with the obvious story, they're going to be able to tell about, hey, this is a young man who had problems at Pittsburgh. You know, he had some problems here, but, you know, we helped him navigate it in 2022. He got hurt in 2023 and in 2024, you know, things seemed bad, but we helped him get through it and push through and have a good end of the season. That helps the story that you can tell to another experienced guard. And anything that you can do to make that more attractive is going to be important. And so I think it is, you know, worth investing in what Xavier Johnson can give uh, this program down the stretch. You know, with Khalil, who is most likely gone, and McKenzie Mbako, who is probably gone, I guess would be fair to say, even though yeah. it seems like Especially there's a, he keeps playing better. A, a slightly higher chance he would stay than where. But still, same thing for those guys. You know, if they are going to go, you know, how much can they build up their you know, draft stock and how, how well can they play? How much can they improve? These are all stories the coaching staff is going to want for their back pocket. You know, and then Ryan, the, the very interesting cases of CJ Gunn and Caleb Banks, who, you know, were really pinpointed as the X factors of this season. Um, guys that we thought, we spent a lot of time in the offseason saying, look, this program, you know, this team may struggle early in the season, but boy, in January and February, when you start to get, you know, a better lift from CJ and Caleb, you know, that can be a big part of turning the season around. They've had their moments, certainly Caleb against Louisville, CJ against Michigan. Do either one or both of those guys start to show a little bit more production, a little bit more consistently, a little more comfort in their role? Because their futures are a big part of this program, whether they're here or whether they decide to go elsewhere and Indiana has to fill those spots, you know, we don't know. Um, and it's, you know, it's not worth speculating because at this point, everybody's a free agent after every season. Yeah. Know? Everybody's so, a free agent. You have to resign I mean, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, but their development is really important to watch. 
you know, both for if the coaches are showing confidence in them, that they feel like they're foundational pieces in the future, um, you know, and just how do their skills and mentality develop? Does it show, does it portend, you know, good, a good junior season for them? And there's a lot that yeah. we can tell from their play down the stretch here going into that. What I'll say about those two uh for the rest of the season, every Indiana fan should be rooting as hard as they can that those guys become meaningful contributors because as of now, Indiana could have as many as six open roster spots next season. And we have one recruit. We could even have the more fe- than that, couldn't we? What'd you say? Oh, it could be. I'm saying like somebody did it kind of logically and was like, it's probably. About oh, that's right. But we, I forgot about Jakai. Yeah. 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 And so it could be about six open spots. It could be more. Certainly it could be less. But it's roughly your game planning about six open spots. One recruit is signed for next year. So Indiana is going to have to work its ass off in the transfer portal. If you lose gun and banks, makes life even harder. You would love to have the, both those guys looking like real contributors heading into their junior year and not somebody you have to replace and improve on necessarily. Um so that's one thing Indiana fans should be like, give those guys minutes. If we're not going to win games, give those guys minutes, let them get, you know, go, even if there's growing pains, treat it like a minor league game, you know, like minor league baseball, just put them out there and see if they develop. I mean, because you need to know, and next year could be, I mean, who knows if you can't land the guys you need to land heading into next year. I mean, do I have confidence that they can get some good players? And I do, but it's going to be a full reset on a lot of levels and on a lot of positions. And you would love to not have to do it as much as that and, or even more than you already do have to. Um, And that's, and and I think that's the downside of going after the recruits they go after. I mean, it's great to land a five-star Lee McNeely. I think so far this year has been the best high school player in the country uh, for his performances, not necessarily his ability, but for his performances, every time they've gone to a big, event he's been he's the guy been awesome yeah he's mvp he steps, of the who paul classic he steps up in the biggest end so i think that it's legitimate to say he's had the best he's the best player right now not necessarily again for potential or what he's going to be in college but he's the best high school player in the country right now you got him that's great you also missed on like four or five guys that could have made a real difference on this program and, and you do miss on those guys if you go big you're fighting everybody it's not it's not going after a, a a three and eight, a three to four star from Indiana. Who's only, you're only fighting the region for him. You know, you're fighting everybody and you're going to lose a lot of those. Um, but that's the danger of prioritizing those recruits is you're going to miss a lot. And Derek queen's still out there. They put a lot of eggs in the Derek queen basket. If they don't get him, it's a big blow to the program, a big blow to the program. So there is so much on the table right now, and there's so much playing time available next year. Not only does Indiana need to invest in CJ Banks or CJ Gunn and Caleb Banks, those guys need to take that opportunity because they could solidify their spots next year as big pieces of that. And they have the opportunity. They should have the opportunity. Indiana should give it to them. Caleb Banks is saying, just give it to me. Play me. Yeah, and just he, play me. You know, and we don't know why. Maybe he's not practicing well. Again, don't know. Maybe give his minutes. Maybe give Walker's minutes to him so he can develop. But yes, yeah, I, I think I, I, I tell you that I, some of that's easier said than done. I, there, there's a clear path with like Gun to to some playing time, and he, you know, in general has has gotten minutes. I, I think the Banks and Walker thing is is hard, right? Like you've still got a decent number of games left. 
if you're the coach, like, I don't know. It's not the NFL. No, I'm not saying tomorrow. No, I, know, I, know, I understand. Yeah. I understand. I'm just saying, like, it's not the NFL where you can say, hey, look, we got to see what we got in some of these guys. I, I don't know that it's a point where you can really afford to treat it that way. I don't know if that's fair to Anthony Walker. And I know you guys aren't saying, like, don't let him play anymore and just give every one of no. his minutes. Yeah. But, but I think in general, like, He's shown up and performed pretty consistently. Yes. No, he's. I don't been- know that it sends a great message to the team if it's like, well, I'm cut. And obviously, you're not saying this out loud. Yes. But if very clearly one guy's performing and one guy's not, and all of a sudden those start to yeah. do, I mean, that's that's why you get players paid know. The, I mean, the you big, can lose totally. credibility if you play someone that they know doesn't get exactly. A hundred percent. That gets you're tricky. Right, Andy. I, you're I, right. I think with I think with CJ, you look at there's there's some positive things. But the shooting percentages are still but 33 percent on twos and on on threes at this point. Now, you can look since January. I think he's five of twelve from three. That's that's progress. He scored. You know, it's just consistency at, at some point with him. I think you want to see him consistently knock down shots, but just being able to contribute. You know, the six games since the beginning of January, he scored six or more points in three of them and had zero one and three in the others. Uh, and I think that's really where like trying to figure out from him on a night in night out basis, what can you, what can you get and what does that look like for next year? Can you get him into a place where he's more hitting shots more consistently during games? I don't think it's that he's shooting unconfidently uh, to take shots. And I think some of that can be, do you try to take some of those long twos out of his game? Cause is that what you look for from him specifically? Like that is a thing that you could do as a coach to go and say, look, I want you to focus on taking these shots. It's not a minutes thing. It's not whatever. Go out and do this. I mean, these guys have shown, it seems like it, um, that they're going to do what the coaches are asking them to do. Even if we might sit here and think like, why in the hell are you doing that? There's enough evidence to suggest that these guys are listening to what the coaches are asking them to do. So with a guy like him, you say, I need you to eliminate this shot from your game in large part, unless it's late shot clock, whatever, and do what you need to do. Or the out-of-bounds play that you always run. Or the out-of-bounds play that you run for him incessantly. Yes, that's true. Um, <laughs> you know, so I think there's there's some things there w- with him. But I think those are the two that are the, the widest range of potential outcomes of what they could get. And I think you do have to figure out whether they can be part or want to be part of of the future because I think the other guys, the other guy that I think is is probably worth talking about before we break is Gabe Cups. Uh, and yep. Ryan mentioned him um before this team is going to go out and try to get a, a marquee point guard out of the portal. I don't think there's any question about that, but that doesn't mean Gabe cups could Gabe, grow wings and fly and they would go yeah, get that doesn't mean that Gabe guard. cups isn't going to have a fairly major role in the team. We've seen how important he's been to the team, even this year. And I think it's really just the offense. How does he look comfortable? It, to me, it's the same thing. A lot of the same shot comments I just had about CJ gun would be the same with him. Can you get yourself in a position to stop shooting as many long twos off the dribble, fading one way or the other? You know, he line drived a catch and shoot three, I think, in in the Wisconsin game. But can he get more comfortable in those scenarios? And then the playmaking for uh, for other guys. Can he start setting people up? And and a lot of that goes through Malik Renew today. And so that's probably not something he's going to be asked to do. But in the future, if you're running the point for the second unit, or whatever, you have to be the guy who's able to do that, and you have to be uh, more of a threat to score. And and like you guys, I liked some of what he did in Wisconsin. The baseline drive that he had where he hit the reverse was just, look, I found an opening. He made a quick decision, went, and scored. And and so uh, he, he's a single really, baseline drive ever been discussed more. 
Well, I mean, so we've quickly going to become the Jeremiah lot. April. Yeah, I was just going to say. I was about to say, yeah. We're, we'll hang the it. Turnaround jumper heard we'll around. We'll hang the it world. in the museum with the. Uh, but but like that's the kind of stuff he has to do because he's a guy that right now is the fifth option when he's out there, and teams are not guarding him. Nope. He has to do something that shows that he's willing to take those shots and take those openings, and that at least for a little bit was was it. So he's he's probably the other potential returnee and likely returnee that I'm most interested in seeing uh, because I think, you know, X is going to have to do a lot to earn enough minutes to really minimize what cups is going to be over the remainder of the season. And I think that's going to be a gradual process if that happens at all. Yeah. And look, we could go on. And the point is there are still so many compelling and really important things to watch for here, you know, down the stretch. And I get, you know, if some of the urgency and even some of the excitement kind of falls away when you're not, you know, really playing for an NCAA tournament berth and all those things. Um, but still, if you're, you know, kind of in this for the long haul and take a big picture view, there's a lot about what happens over these next few weeks that is really important. You know, and a lot of it just comes down to foundationally. You know, is there a culture here right now that Mike Woodson has built through three years that is worth saving or does it need to be blown up and rebuilt? You know, and there's going to be a certain amount of it that gets kind of blown up and rebuilt anyway, just because some players are moving on. But these guys that we think and hope are going to be rocks for the future, Malik Renu, Gabe Cups, guys like that, hopefully CJ Gunn and Caleb Banks, you know, what do they look like? How do they improve? What kind of pride do they take in their performances on a game-to-game basis, even if they're not fighting for an NCAA tournament spot? You know, that stuff is all really important for what's going to happen with the guys who are around and who come in next year. What are they coming to? Hopefully we build something here or maintain something here over these next few weeks, uh, you know, that makes that more substantial than at times right now it feels. All right, coming up on Assembly Call Radio, it is mailbag time. We got a bunch of good questions on a number of topics, and so we will answer those next here on the Assembly Call. Talk to you in a moment. Jeremiah April is real. That little turnaround jump shot he had. (laughs) You had a cold or else it's just your audio was bad. I certainly didn't have a good microphone back then. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. 
<laughs> oh, the funniest is when we were replaying the first show, the audio quality. Oh, my God. How did podcasters survive back then? Oh, my God. Well, Indeed. to be fair, we weren't even on microphones. We were yeah, no, we were on phones. phones. On phones, yeah. Yeah, I know. It was terrible. Blog Talk Radio, not not maybe maybe not the pinnacle of uh Is of that recording. company still around? They're still there. Yeah, yeah. still there cuz oh shoot. I couldn't believe me. when I couldn't I, believe when you sent the thing about like the link to the first show. I I mean, I would never have guessed that that site was still in existence. It's still there. I had to sign up for the premium so I can download the audio. There's still like there's like three I mean, episodes gonna... on there that I don't have in my archive that I have to go download nice. and make sure I have. Is it like the first 30 literally or is no, it No, it's I mean it's something like that. It's the first season and then some of the second season. Did we only do we only did post game shows? We never did non post game show shows that first year, right? Yeah, yeah, only post game, and we didn't even we didn't quite make every one. I don't like, know. There were ones that we would skip. No, we didn't. We couldn't we do it. Didn't. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't think we started doing the the weekly show until like 2016. I think 2015. I think was it 15? Yeah. Well, it was I whenever so. CBS started putting us on, and on 1430. Yeah, Thank you, Kent Sterling. Always appreciate Kent Sterling for giving us yeah. that chance. He, sure. I mean, there are, there are people who have been big in the history of Assembly Call, and he is certainly one. He believed in us early. Um, you think that's ever like come him? up on Two Big Brains? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no. <laughs> Perhaps not in a positive way, at least. <laughs> he did defend me, not you, but he did defend me in that clip. <laughs> Oh god. Oh. <laughs> All right, let's move yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> that was funny. Um all right, let's hop into some <laughs> Let's hop into some mailbag Breezed questions. Breezed right past Jared and went straight to defend <laughs> Ryan mode. <laughs> Which is really by the way, we have to tell people that story. That's really a, that's really a weird uh that's really quite a weird uh ramp to take. Uh yeah. yeah. Seriously, I even I, I, I was I even I was wrong may have gotten off on the wrong exit if you got up on the defend Ryan at the <laughs> yeah, expense. Members of, uh, of my family were like, What? Like <laughs> <sighs> all right. <clears throat> What's the AC after dark this week? We talked about it last week. The, the uh, Facebook. Facebook the Facebook group. <laughs> oh god, yeah. Oh man! At some point, I, mean, I we first may... learned of it. I first learned of it at one of these meetups. At a meetup, it was like maybe yeah, our first think, one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe it was. I don't know. I could probably look back to see when I joined the group, and and then I would know. Uh, it's when still it there. But I think, uh, yeah, I feel like I feel like Gabe let me know about that one. After one of the upcoming post game shows or next week's assembly call radio, we probably need to retell the story of Coach Tom Sony. From which is oh, yeah. easily one oh, of the yeah. top three meetup moments of all time. Yes. Coach yes. Tom. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's get to it. Here we go. Hey, this is Deron Davis. And what's the only thing better than dominating a dude big man in the post? is celebrated with friends afterwards. Join Gerard, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Hall call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Duran. You are listening the way, to the Assembly Call. Yes. Almost as good as Galen yesterday in his announcement of the meetup calling us Assembly Hall instead of Assembly Call. Oh, did he? <laughs> he did. I think he had a little, little too much of the hard truth there before he made that <laughs> Maybe. video. Maybe he did. Um, you're listening to the Assembly Call. I am Gerard. I'm here with Andy Bottoms. 
here with Ryan Phillips. And guys, let's dive into the mailbag. All of these mailbag questions for this week were submitted via our premium subscribers on Substack. Uh, we moved our website to Substack, so you can go to assemblycall.com. Uh, that's where you can subscribe to our free email newsletter and get our weekly six banner Sunday news roundups. We also have watch pages for assembly call and doing the work there. Uh, and then if you're a premium subscriber, uh, you get everything, you know, coaches, coaches, corner, Tony, John IU film room. Sometimes I'll do data deep dives and then you get access to all the comment sections in the private chat and the private discord. And by the way, you guys don't get in the private discord very much. It's awesome. <laughs> it's really, really good. Like, you know, the upside of Discord is it's just kind of anything can happen. And sometimes that chaos makes it hard to follow. But man, sometimes you get just really, really good discussions. There was a recruiting discussion in there today for about an hour. Uh, and it was just really insightful, engaging, fun. So if you're a premium subscriber, you get access to our Discord. It's like whenever I get fed up with Twitter, which is seemingly like every day now, it's like my, you know, my my reprieve from it. Um, so anyway, we've worked hard to make that a good place. The Crimson Cast folks are in there, lots of other people. So if you're a premium subscriber, you get access to that. Uh, just to make sure that everybody who's in there is, you know, serious and, you know, kind of fits our mentality and stuff. Uh, so anyway, assemblycall.com, check that out. All these questions from those premium subscribers. And we'll start with this one from Kyle. If you were to create another podcast about IU, but it didn't involve sports, what topics would you discuss? I've already created a bunch of other podcasts. Um, yeah, you have about like oh business God. topics and things of that nature. But I don't know. What would you discuss? I don't know. I I really don't. Um, maybe like getting together all the famous, since this is what I did, uh, journalism grads from the past from Indiana, and like just having discussions with them about Ooh. the business and the school and what they learned and all of that. That might be something I would do. I'd find interesting. I know a lot of them, uh, but there's a lot that I don't know. A lot of people who have gone on to be very successful that I, I've never met. So I think that would be interesting. Nice. That's, that's very interesting. Andy? Yeah, I, th I thought of something similar, just maybe even more broad than that, just of different uh, you know, people who took different paths to, to IU and, and where it led them through different, uh, through different fields and, and things like that. Um, I know Galen had done the, you know, one of the restaurant, he had done a series of, uh, some of the restaurant ones a while ago, which I thought was interesting, but I don't know enough to, to do that one. Um, but yeah, I'd be more along the lines of what Ryan has give you the chance to kind of interview some interesting people and, and hear their stories and, and things like that, which would be, uh, which might be fun. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking right now, Andy, as my kids start to get a little bit older and they get to the age where I'm going to be coaching their teams, that would be an interesting podcast to do with you, actually. As I'm starting out in it, you know, I could get advice from you and then it could kind of be a resource for other moms and dads who are coaching their kids, uh, which those, you know, podcasts can serve a really useful purpose like that. Uh, and you, ha you obviously have a lot of experience and then I could kind of give the perspective of, as I'm going through it. So anyway, I may hit you up for that here in a couple of years. Oh, there you so go. Just All be right. on the lookout because you have so much time on your hands. Well, that's not really about IU. So that's not, you know, but that's, you know, certainly a good idea. But uh, oh, gosh, it did say a podcast about yeah. IU. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I should mm -hmm. read the question that I read out loud. Um, yeah. Let that sink in a little and then yeah. uh, react. Oh, that way. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, you know, the other show that would be kind of fun to do if it could be about sports would be a post game show for the football team. 
which we've discussed doing at times in the past. I just don't think it's really probably logistically, logistically possible for us. Uh, but very excited about the Kurt Signetti era and everything that's going on there. So that would certainly be fun to do. Actually having uh, a spring game this year. What a concept. I know. <laughs> Finally. That's going to be pretty sweet. Did you see the schedule? It's Thursday Yeah, it's night. the Thursday before of like Little Five weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, women's awesome. race Friday and then the men's race Saturday. Oof. That's great. That's going to be a very drunk weekend in Bloomington. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not that that's anything different, but, you know. Uh, okay, from Jim. Did the staff not try to address the backcourt and shooting issues in the portal, or did they just miss on guys that they were targeting? And, Ryan, this answer is pretty clearly they missed on guys they did. Uh, that they were targeting. Um, it's not I that don't... they didn't understand. Part of the issue was, though, once X got his waiver – that's the guy that they were going to ride with. And everything they did kind not, of cascaded from there. They did not go get another ball handler, though. And I don't think they really went hard after another ball handler. They looked for No, wings. they, yeah. That part, I mean, they trusted X and that and Gabe Cups, Cups could basically. handle it. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, it, it wasn't a real attractive spot for another guy. And so who That's exactly fair. I mean, people, I've get? heard people say like, oh, X and Galloway scared people away. Good players are not scared away by, by inconsistent guards. Like, you know, I mean, they would have found a way to play somebody. But they just didn't target that as an area of need. And, that, and that's fine. You know, if you're expecting the best out of X, I had questions about who X would be because he's been so up and down. A lot of people trusted him. One of them is on this panel. And that's fine. I don't even rip Jared for that because X has shown at times that he can be in all. Just, just make subtle comments like this right. and no, let, but, let it sink but, in on its own. But Garrett, Jared's been called out publicly about that on Twitter and things like that. And it's like, you know what? That wasn't like that wasn't an insane call. It really wasn't because we've seen him be really good. The pro- my my worry is inconsistent players rarely find consistency when they're older, you know. And yeah. and you know, if a guy is an inconsistent freshman year, he can become a consistent player. But so uh, I get why they didn't target a guard. They missed on some some scoring wings that, in my opinion, they should have gone harder after and should have you know done whatever they could to get. Uh, a guy like Dalton Connect is exactly what they're missing. But they they never had a chance at him. I know he was they going didn't. to. I know they didn't. But People a guy always like, bring that one up. Like it, that I wasn't know. that one didn't I, even get I past know. like the. And I'm not. Stuff. And I'm not saying oh they missed on him. It's but like somebody like that is what they needed. Yes. Um, I would have even been. You know, I mean, I at the time I kind of I, I w- I'll say I was wrong on this idea. Is that I because I came out against it, but Caleb Love would be a perfect fit for oh, this gosh. team because he's yes. a guy who can take a shot. He's what you think X could have been, which is the guy who was literally has no conscience and will go get a shot. He's a shot maker. The one, one of the main things this team doesn't have is a guy who will just go get a shot and make it. And even um, inefficient, I have, I have yeah. been, he would have yeah. been helpful. I haven't watched as much of him this year, but he did have a liking to some long twos when he was at North Carolina too. So, I mean, you know, but don't he makes tell me it. that he wouldn't fit in. Well, that's yeah. true. <laughs> but no, I, I think true. that, yeah, they, they missed on some wings. They needed wing scoring. I think they got Mbako and felt comfortable. And I, I didn't think that was enough. Um, they could have used a two guard um, and have Galloway be the six man. Even if not, even if Galloway's your starter, but the other guy plays a lot more, you know what I mean? I just think that I, we did question at the time leaving the scholarship open and yes. it was clearly in hindsight, a very bad idea to leave that scholarship open. Yeah, and I think if you I think if you look at how everything played out, I'm trying to remember the timing of of certain things. Like we're committed pretty early in the in the offseason, I I feel like in the early part of the portal, right? Didn't where he was one of the first ones to or he was like the first one to commit. I don't even know, he might have even been before Mbako. 
but there's an element of once you had those three guys, probably hard to get. If if you're committing in your head, this is my starting front court. I know there was lots of questions about can Mbako play the three? Is he better suited for whatever? I mean, I don't think you take that guy unless you're saying, hey, you're going to play a ton, which is what we said at the time. You have Ware, who you had to expect a lot from, and you knew that Renew was going to be there. So you really put yourself in a difficult position to be an attractive landing spot for any kind of top wing. At that point, you really had to hone in on any kind of two guard, maybe a combo guard in the event that, you know, things wouldn't have worked with X. I think it just got difficult to. What they needed was like a narrow. You know, you couldn't cast a wide net. You kind of needed a certain type of player that may or may not have really existed in the portal at that time. And I think probably hard to sell the top, top guy on a vision of playing time. I know what you said is Ryan is true that you're not intimidated by that, but you probably weren't getting one of the top, top guys at that point in the process when you had that figured out. And so now you need somebody who like kind of has to be a two guard. So again, I'm not excuse making, but I think if you go back through the process and the timeline of different things, you can see how it ended up, how, how it did. They probably had faith in CJ gun and, you know, thought, well, maybe if we don't get somebody, he'll be, he'll be fine. You know, hindsight is 2020 and probably would have taken a lower, you know, maybe a lower level guy that could have even been a reserve that would have fit there. I just, I don't even remember all the names that were out there, but it seemed like they tended to get in with the top guys more than, you know, maybe ones who might've been a better fit or would have been more willing to accept a, a role similar to like what, like an Anthony Walker did, right? Like nobody had, and I think he's outperformed what anybody's expectations yes. have been, but it was very clear to him. He knew what he was signing up for from a, a playing time standpoint and was comfortable with that and his work to probably make it more than what he thought it might be at the beginning. I don't think they went after a lot of guards who would have, who you'd have said the same thing about. I think yeah. they tended to go after some of the bigger names that were out there that would have expected, Hey, I'm going to come in, I'm going to start, I'm going to get a lot of playing time but it had to be a two guard based on how the rest of the roster was constructed. And there's no sure things, even in the portal, you know, Nick Timberlake is a guy everybody wanted and he can't get off the bench at Kansas. He yeah, might at somewhere else. The risk. And that's yeah. the thing is he might be being very successful somewhere else. He just went to a loaded team, which I didn't understand. That yeah. So. I think he got chances earlier in the year and he did not perform. At least when I've watched Kansas, yeah. like he did not perform in those. And then he's kind of found himself buried as, other guys have stepped up and some of the, the freshmen have started to play better. He's getting kind of phased out at least the last couple of games of theirs that I watched. But uh, Okay. From Josiah, how common would you say it is for a freshman to make a, make a big leap in his sophomore season while maintaining status as a bench player? In my mind, most freshman to sophomore leaps happen when that freshman is inserted into the starting lineup at the start of the season, or they were that yeah, would kind of describe Malik Renew, or they yeah. were a starter already in their freshman season. I have uh, CJ and Caleb in mind with this question, but it would also apply to other past players who have made big leaps in their sophomore season. Um, I mean, usually, you know, if a guy is good enough to kind of make that sophomore leap, they're inserted in the starting lineup at the beginning of their sophomore season because they were probably a really valuable reserve as a freshman, developed you know, kind of stepped into a spot, you know, Malik Renew is really a classic case. You know, most of the time, if you're still on the bench as a sophomore, now, unless the roster is just super loaded, you know, you probably have some development. I mean, if CJ or Caleb really had, you know, kind of taken a sophomore leap, well, CJ might be a starter at this point, um, or Caleb, you know, might be in the rotation. Now, it's not, you know, you think back to a guy like Will Sheehy, 
you know, he was a bench player who doubled his production from freshman to sophomore while staying on the bench. So it's not to say that guys can't improve, but typically if we're talking about a leap, you know, kind of similar to what Malik has done, I don't think you're going to find a whole lot of guys that are doing that from the bench as sophomores. I mean, again, unless it's just a super loaded roster. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think with Renew, he played enough that you could see it a year ago. And there was a very clear foul, everybody. Well, and there was a very clear, you know, with, with TJD there, it was a a very clear ceiling on how much he was really going to be able to play. Yeah. Uh, Even, even without the foul issues. And I think in some ways he could kind of play however he wanted to from a foul perspective, because he knew it wasn't going to make that much difference because he, it was there versus this year. You see him probably not doing some certain things because he's, he's trying not to foul. Uh, but I don't think either of those two guys had established themselves in any way as a core member of the rotation in a way that it was a logical next step to, to take that. And so that's where, as you said, Malik is kind of the textbook case for that very clearly had carved out a role, was a key rotation player and had an opening in front of him that allowed him to just step into more minutes. As long as he developed well, the other guys didn't really have either one of those scenarios because it really didn't end up being a true opening nor had they really established themselves on it with any consistency uh, in the, in the prior year. So I think, and I think you saw a little bit of the same thing with Tamar Bates, right? When he was from going from freshman to sophomore, kind of same thing. He hadn't really carved out that niche um, and role that was already there. So it wasn't clear that the logical next step is for you to take, you know, to move here. So, um, so anyway, that that's my general sense. Um, okay, let's hit a few more of these uh, here as we go through. Uh, Carl says, Josiah's post made me think of Gabe Cups. What do you see as his ceiling over his IU career? Sophomore jump, junior and senior. I love his toughness. Uh, yeah. Um, and Ryan will be back. He's going to um, write an article for the big lead. Hoping he can get a, another hat, I guess, in return yeah, for it. He's going to change his hat. He's going to like <laughs> change and he's going to a phone booth and change. And then he'll come out with the other hat and it'll be great. Yeah. Uh, ceiling wise for Gabe cups, you know, Andy, one name that was tossed around a lot for him when he committed and people were trying to make a comparison was Aaron Kraft from Ohio state, uh, who I believe started from day one. Um, and was never, you know, an aesthetically pleasing or overly productive offensive player. Um, but I mean, without looking at the numbers, I believe he was, you know, more productive, more kind of an integral part of what they were doing offensively than what, you know, what cups was. Uh, or yeah. has at the very least from an season. assist standpoint i think he was more of a contributor early yes. on and grew into a bit more of a scorer but yeah yeah so also uh, grew to be more annoying over the course of yes. time as well but that's yes. a separate issue that's okay hey hopefully gabe cups all other big 10 fan bases are annoyed by gabe cups because he's good and you know makes big plays so you know i don't know like maybe i mean just based on kind of his production here maybe 75 to 80% of what Aaron Kraft was. Maybe that's a ceiling. And perhaps that's, you know, Aaron Kraft was a starter on really good teams surrounded by awesome players. I think that is a role that you want Gabe Cups in. You know, he can really make good players better. We're already seeing that now. That's what he's doing this season. Um, it's why he's getting on the floor. And hopefully his ability to do that, you know, just grows and grows and grows. So that, that would kind of be the thing that comes to my mind is maybe a poor man's, you know, Aaron Kraft. Uh, and perhaps that ends up being kind of in a bench role where maybe he's only playing 30 to 35% of minutes, backing up a more talented but possibly younger player. Um, but either way, that's kind of what I would be thinking. Yeah, I think it ties back a little bit to what we were talking about before 
in terms of what to watch for over the rest of the season and kind of what from him you're looking for specifically. And I think what you get into, this is potentially unfair, but the way this season has played out, I don't think it matters if the logical next step for him is to be the starting point guard on this team. As we said before, this team is going to be backed into, and the, and the staff essentially is going to be backed into a position where you really have to go get a, you know, nothing is surefire in the portal, right? But you need to go get a top tier point guard, which impacts, puts a puts a cap on what Gabe's role could be next year. Even though I think he can show some growth and, you know, may play roughly the same number of minutes because he's he's gotten more minutes this year than anybody thought that he would. And I think he can be more productive. But I also think this staff is not in a place, if the season kind of goes down the path that it's going, they're not in a position to place a bet on him and say, I'm not going to go get somebody else that I'm really going to rely on first. And like I said, maybe that's unfair to him. Uh, I don't know that that ultimately impacts his overall growth trajectory at IU Woodson clearly thinks a lot of him based on how you hear him, you know, talk about him. I think even in the press availability this week talked about how well, you know, he'd been coached by his dad and and some of those kinds of things. So I don't mean that as a knock on him, but if you're the staff, you put a bet on Xavier Johnson before this season and it didn't pan out. Uh, I don't think they've seen enough from cups that you feel like you can place that same bet on him this year going into next year and he ends up being not the odd man out, but I think he ends up in a similar role next year. Now, over the course of time, I think what you said is realistic. I think just kind of tying this question and the last one together, he is not to me the candidate for like a big freshman and sophomore leap, even though I think we'll see growth from him in a number of statistical categories and some, uh, and I think some things that you'll see on the court, but not the leap I think that was alluded to in the prior question, just to kind of tie it back to that. Yeah, and I would think the offseason message to him is very simple. You know, Gabe, we're going out. We're targeting the highest level guard we can. We're expecting that guy to start next year, but improve so much that we have to play you too. You know, I mean, that, you know, it's still going to, the spot is still going to go to the best player. So keep improving. You know, he's going to have, you know, kind of that knowledge of the system from being here. And so those will be advantages for him. Uh, but I think he can be, a, you know, a part of a good guard rotation on a really good team. Um, not the star, but a guy who just helps make everything work better. Um, so valuable player moving forward, assuming you have the right pieces around him. And the kind of guy that you can rely on in games when starter gets into foul trouble, somebody's yes. hurt where you feel a high level of confidence that he can step in and you're not going to take a massive step back as a team. Uh, okay, from Richard, uh, new to the group here, as I've enjoyed your podcast immensely over the past seven to eight months. Well, thank you for uh, signing up, Richard. That's awesome. Do you think this, boy, I think we got like four versions of this question, Andy. Do you think I, this I, now... I, yeah, I moved them all together just because I was reading them and I'm like, did I like scroll back the other way? But yeah, anyway, I'll let you finish. But yeah, there were at least three, maybe four variations of this question. Yes. Do you think the staff will pivot at any point to a four out system? Uh, you know, if we were to land queen, that puts us in the same situation, you know, that that's more of a topic for the off season in the immediate time. I mean, Andy, if it was going to happen, <laughs> having Khalil wear out against Wisconsin, where it would have made a lot more sense to play that way, that would have been your time to do it. Now, again, as I've said, if you want to make an argument to me that you're going to start Peyton Sparks, just so Malik is in his normal kind of comfortable role, maybe it reduces the chance of foul trouble. Maybe you feel like you need the rebounding and don't want to get off to a bad start. I wouldn't do it, but I'll listen to that. 
But then to basically not take that opportunity, and hey, all credit to Peyton Sparks because he plays hard. It's not that he didn't earn his minutes, but I would have liked to see more of that because it seems like when we do, you know, guys like Anthony Walker and Caleb Banks get unlocked a little bit because of their driving. You know, Malik has more space to operate. Um, you know, shot fakes can actually turn into drives instead of pull-ups because there's room uh, to drive to the basket, you know? And so, uh, you know, X, you know, has more room to operate. So there's a lot about what plagues this offense that I think could be alleviated by that. The obvious counter is, well, our most efficient lineups are all Khalil and Malik playing together. And that is true. And this team's good at it. So I wouldn't say do it all the time by any means, Uh, but even when they're on the court together, you could space things a little bit more and get some of that look. So, I am fully in favor of it. I think the fact that we didn't see it much against Wisconsin, you know, really shows what Woodson's preference is at a minimum with this group of players, but we now have three years of evidence. So I'd love to see it, but at this point I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. I think that what one of the things you said toward the end of that is what resonated with me the most, which is you could do that right now with wear and renew. Uh, we've talked about this before and the way that they're positioning them and some of the high-low settings and trying to position each one where they're most comfortable. Both guys have shown enough ability to hit threes this year that defenses cannot just ignore them uh, where they are. I think they've also shown some ability, you know, cutting with Renew being able to find where for lobs and different things like that. So I, I don't think there's anything standing in the way from them doing it now. Um, and I don't think next year, even if you assume Derek Queen, let's assume Derek Queen picks IU, Renew is back. Renew's shown enough outside that you can do that. Queen is a good passer. You can put him in different positions to to do that. I, t- to me, what's standing in front of them from doing it is philosophical more than personnel-driven at this point. Yep. Now, with a lineup like you talked about with starting Sparks, yeah, you've got you're bringing some of those issues on yourself. But again, I would even argue with that. If he's the one in, you can play Malik, you know, outside. Um, Certainly has had trouble over dribbling and getting into the lane and some of those kinds of things this year, but he's also done some solid things playmaking uh, from out there. So yeah, I, I, to me, this could be done now and hasn't been. So I will not talk myself into something, something changing. That's that's kind of where I'm at. But I'll be hopeful that something does. Uh, okay, so this was a really interesting question. Um, this is from James. He says, with college ball being much like minor league uh, professional ball, could the Hoosiers work out a deal with the Lakers such that instead of Hood Shafino playing in the G League, he comes back to IU? And then he says, bring back Isaiah to play out his last two years of eligibility. Guard problem solved. Yeah, uh, Isaiah Isaiah now might improve our, the guard situation. Um so look, so there's obviously no way that you could actually do this, but I think it's fascinating. And actually, I tagged Galen in on this discussion, uh, and it's something he said he's you know kind of he may plan an episode about. But I actually I could see this actually happening at some point in the future once universities realize that they are in the business of professional sports and let you know football and basketball at least kind of operate that way. There are a lot of ways where it could make sense for the pro leagues and the college leagues to work out something like this. There'd be a whole lot of logistical issues, obviously, but it could really make sense. Galen actually seemed to think that it's, you know, it could actually, you know, I don't want to speak for him. Let him do the episode on it if he's going to. Uh, But I thought this was a fascinating just kind of line of thought to go down. Um, 
it would it would be really really interesting and possibly benefit uh, both leagues. Uh, you know, they say necessity is the mother of invention. So I appreciate the ingenuity and the thought that went into coming up with this idea. I, yeah, the, all the logistical things that you talked about, I think would be a struggle how you manage roster sizes and all of those kinds of things uh, would be fascinating. But uh, yeah, if you, if you offered the chance for Jalen to come back and, uh, and play for a couple of weeks, I think we would all take it in a heartbeat. So I'm, uh, I'm all for however, whatever it takes to make this work would be fine. Yes. Okay. Let's hit the rest of these kind of quickly. Greg says, as we transition into our postseason, do we still have options in the 24, 25 class uh, in terms of freshmen? You know, I mean, Woody was uh, out on the recruiting trail this week. Daquan Davis is one name that has come up. Uh, I saw a 24 seven, you know, listed him as one of the top 10 point guards in the class. Uh, This is actually what our discord discussion about was today. And there's you know, a lot of competing thoughts on this, you know, should Woody offer a scholarship to Davis, no matter what, even if he has questions about, you know, his size and how that fits, uh, you know, because the scholarship obviously hasn't been offered yet, but because he's a sweet spot recruit, or, you know, would that make the spot less attractive to a portal guard if you've got this freshman? Co- so there's a lot of different layers here. Ultimately, it's going to come down to whether Mike Woodson believes in Daquan Davis as a guy that he wants to develop and play in his system. Um, and we'll see, you know, that's one name. Others will probably come up, you know, as Ryan said, if you've got four five, six slots to fill, you know, you're going to be looking in the portal. There could be more movement from, uh, you know, coach, you know, when coaches get fired and players decommit. So it's just something to keep your eye on. Daquan Davis is the main name now, but as of yet, uh, at least as far as we know, Indiana hasn't offered a scholarship. Um, and then in terms of the portal, yeah, that'll all happen after the season, uh, when do we expect players to announce uh, that they're portal bound? Some guys will probably do it right away because they've kind of been thinking about it and planning on it. Uh, you know, and other guys may take a little while, but usually within the first few weeks, uh, you kind of have some of that. Most of that is kind of sussed out. And then you might have a guy leave later because, you know, of a change to their roster. And so sometimes those dominoes can fall, but uh, usually it happens relatively uh, soon after. Any thoughts on that, Andy? No, I just saw you in the chat. No, not 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 really. I think the the portal. The only thing I'd add is the portal piece. You know, some of it is you could argue there's benefit either way. The sooner you get out there, I'm sure everybody's going to say, well, they're making contact with everybody anyway. But at least to kind of know for yourself what the options are, waiting in some of these cases doesn't really benefit you all that much. I think to your point, there's probably people who have thought about it who will pull the trigger right away. But even people who are on the fence, I think you're probably we'll see guys at least say if they're thinking about it, they'll put their name in so they can start that process out, even though they may come back and leave themselves that window to do that. But I don't think there's a downside or I don't think there's really an upside to waiting to, to put your name in too much longer because the only so many seats to be had at some point and depending upon where you want to want to try to end up. Yep. Um, okay. So Richard asked, what players do you think will leave at the end of the season? Um, you know, we've always, you know, kind of not wanted to speculate on this. Uh, I still think, you know, it's not really a a topic worth getting into too much. Um, but it's a little bit more relevant because as we said, everybody's a free agent. So it's not like before we're transferring happened less often. Now it's happening all the time. Um, you know, and so I think you still, there's still just certain factors that you look for, you know, guys who are further away from home, are usually more likely to transfer. Guys who haven't really carved out a role by their sophomore year are usually more likely, you know, to transfer. Uh, someone who it doesn't feel like they're kind of being used in a way that optimizes them, 
you know, they could transfer and then you just have the general, uh, you know, thing that can happen, especially with guys at a power five school, if they're not having success, you know, who might want to transfer to a school that is winning more so they can experience that. So there's a lot of variables, uh, you know, I think for the most part, you know, you can kind of look down the roster and kind of see, you know, who checks more of those boxes, you know, and those are the guys that are, that are probably more likely to go. Um, but there's still so much to happen between now and then that I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense to go name by name at this point. Agreed. And that's kind of the approach we've taken. So I think everybody can probably speculate on the same handful of players, at least as potentially likely. Um, but yeah, we haven't typically done that and probably doesn't there's make no, sense. There's to do no it use now. doing it publicly. So, nope. Uh, okay. This is an interesting question from Mark. Why don't you think fundamentals are taught anymore? Coach Knight used to say freshmen didn't know how to play. They had to be taught. It looks to me that not much teaching is going on. It's interesting, Ryan. I just randomly uh, stumbled upon this uh, Kobe Bryant video. I don't even know when it was from. Someone had tweeted it out. It was kind of this minute of him talking about the differences between basketball development in the U.S. and in Europe and why so many guys you know, in Europe, Doncic and, and Jokic and all these guys, are just so much more skilled you know, just in terms of ball handling and passing and seeing the court and basketball IQ and just how the difference in the way that we develop young players, you know, the way that they're developed there with a heavy emphasis on skill and, you know, some of the things that are emphasized here, um, you know, which tend to be, you know, and, and I guess the, really the question is, you know, do you believe that that's true? You know, are those just kind of stereotypes or do you believe it's true? Um, and, you know, to the question, uh, why do you think there is, you know, kind of less fundamentals now than what we used to see? I think the emphasis in basketball is heavily on athleticism. Yeah. And um, I think and, and <clears throat> I, I would say also that as as sort of the NBA has bled into college basketball a bit, um, with the style of play and it's a lot of people who can play all five positions or four at least four positions you need to have taller more athletic guys and if the emphasis is get bigger faster stronger it's not work on your dribble work on your shot work on those other things it's almost like get that stuff fixed and we can teach you the other stuff as opposed to developing guys from a young age to have the other stuff and then have them work out with trainers and things like that to extend that i think that's part of it um, and I, yeah, I, I just think that because the NBA has always been the athletes league, it always has. So the guys who make it there always make it, but I also think guys have gotten bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic. And so the top schools are going after those guys because they have the most upside. And I think if you produce NBA players, it helps your recruiting good recruiting leads to championship success. And so I think it kind of is a beast that's feeding itself. Um, I do think more fun fundamentals need to be taught. I also think that the, the AAU sort of club system feeds into that because it's a showcase. I mean, AAU tournaments are all a showcase when I, and I hate this sounds like old guy saying that, but when I was growing up, like we wanted to win the tournament, we didn't care about stats and things like that. If scouts were there, you wanted to do well, but like the best way to do it was to win the tournament. Cause you played the most games in front of them. You know, now it right, feels man. like lace up those Chuck Taylors and win. Exactly. Take four passes before a shot. You know, I've never owned a pair of Chuck Taylors. I should get one. Um, but 
uh, yeah, it just it's a different mentality now. It's more about showcase and creating highlights as opposed to playing good basketball. And that's not true. And that's a very that's a very steep generalization. So there are some great AAU programs out there who are doing really good things. Don't uh, please don't email me. Um, but it but it is it's more of a showcase league. And the games that get attention are guys dunking and you know going like trying to fire up pull up three pointers and all of that stuff. And their percentage may be low, but they're going to come out with a great high, uh, with a, with a very high, you know, uh, a very good highlight reel. And I just think that's what it, what it's become. And clearly, you know, I don't blame the people for doing that because clearly the colleges are eating it up and, and the scholar, the top scholarships are going to guys like that. I I've said this before. We were talking about Mikey Williams, like uh, a couple weeks ago, and I watched him play last year. And sat there and just looked at my friend and said, why is this guy being recruited? I don't get it. I went online and watched his highlight tapes. He looked like one of the best players in the nation. He was not. Like, you know, he's a guy who just caught the ball and fired a three, caught the ball, fired a three, caught the ball, fired a three, and looked cool doing it, but he missed about 10 of them. You know, but the thing is, in those highlight packages, he's just going to clip the ones he made. Um, There's no defense. He was just letting guys go. It was all about showcasing his best while playing almost his worst. And I did, that was the starkest example of what that culture is now. Um, Cause coaches, let's be real. Coaches can't fly around the country, see everybody, you know, they narrow it down by watching video and then they pick those guys and go watch those guys. So I think that has a lot to do with it. I think it has a lot to do with it is we are an instant gratification culture that is obsessed with little blurbs, quick stuff. And I think coaches are getting into that too. Yeah, this would be one I'd be really curious to get coaches' thoughts on uh, at some point as well. And I think probably Coach Motes and and Tony and a number of other uh, the folks I think I'd be interested to hear about. I think from from my perspective, I, I think those things are taught at younger ages, but I think Agreed. they just get glossed over as you as you go. And I think as you get into high school seasons when these guys are just way more athletic than everybody, you can you can let that stuff slide and it doesn't really impact you. And even some of the AAU stuff as Ryan, it was talking about, that's just not an emphasis because it's a little bit more of a, a showcase scenario where you can let some of that stuff slide, let your athleticism, you know, go through and, and everybody that you, you talk to as they move into to college talks about how different the game is and, uh, and some of those things. And I think it's, it's hard to go back to some of those, to fall back on some of those fundamentals that you may have deviated from a little bit over the course of time because you didn't quote unquote need to. Um, and I think coaches are also under situations where you're trying to figure out how you balance the time to, to, to teach and to work on fundamentals and, um, and some of that stuff. And I think in, in some cases the fundamental work can often be left to the players and the individual development part of it, because you're trying to do different things as a team. You're trying to install things you want to do offensively or defensively, you've only got so much time you're watching film you're doing whatever i think sometimes that can be left to the uh to the players and i think that same thing can probably hold true even at lower levels in high school and 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 different things like that but i do think some of the other some of that stuff also dependent upon who it is gets scrapped in the name of winning and so you look at i you know my pet peeve is people who are playing zone in third grade like, what are we doing? When you I get mean, Coach Adron, you fired up. Start talking I, about that. I, I, I did a lot of things that probably were not good when I was coaching. Um, but I never played. I never played zone because people needed – I thought they needed to understand how to play help defense and how to be in position and how to do those things. 
and I saw too many other people where it was like, well, I just know to run to the spot and go do whatever. Um, and that's oversimplifying it, I think. But I think those are areas where you're doing that because you think that somebody's not going to be able to figure it out. And in some cases that's true and that helps you win games, but it doesn't help develop players. Um, and the last thing I would say is one thing I always struggled with when I was doing this, even with, you know, elementary school kids was what is the right balance of working on the skill work and fundamental stuff? And what is the balance of that in playing? Because you can go through and do all kinds of drills and then you get into a game and you can't apply it. It doesn't really help you to have some of those fundamental skills. So how do you marry those things together? I probably got a little bit better at that over time, but that was always really hard, right? Like you can talk about something, but how do you make some of the fundamental drills game-like so that it actually translates as opposed to I'm a robot, I'm following these steps and I'm doing what somebody's telling me to do as the fundamental thing but then the ball's tipped and there's chaos around you and everybody's running around and all that stuff. You just forget it. How do you not just forget about that in the heat of what's going on and, yeah. and trying to do those things. So it's a, it's a really good question. And I, you know, my opinion is not, it, it is my opinion and, and probably, you know, maybe a little bit of what is, uh, you know, actually at play, but I think there's probably a lot of different reasons that you could watch a game and feel like those things aren't being taught, but just, uh, you know, hard to, hard to pinpoint, you know, one or two things, but those are at least my, my general thoughts. Yep. Uh, okay. Quickly. Uh, okay. So this is from it's T offerly. I don't know your first name. Uh, who in the remaining season should we be rooting for to have wins in order to improve IU standings provided IU wins most remaining games. So this is a question taking the optimistic viewpoint. I would say just as a blanket statement, it's probably a little bit too early to pinpoint specific teams to root for, for either the NCAA or NIT. But let me use this as an opportunity, Andy, to plug your continued great bracketology work at Inside the Hall. I think you're up to, what, doing those about once a week now. Uh, mm -hmm. And, of course, Coach and the team at Delphi Bracketology. Those are the two bracketologists of record for this show. Uh, so maybe can you just give us real quick, if we're talking about the NCAA tournament bubble, like who are the kind of main bubble teams there that if Indiana were to somehow get up there, they may find themselves competing with. Yeah. I, th there's a lot of teams right now. I, I mentioned this a little bit in the opening of what I, I wrote on inside the hall this week, everybody on or around the bubble has one to two decent wins. And that's kind of it at this point. And that's not abnormal. That's not a, this is not a, Oh, the bubble's weaker than it's ever been type of conversation. It's not that uh, it's just, a lot of these teams haven't played enough good teams yet to rack up enough good wins. So if you want to look at it that way, there's not a ton of separation for those teams that are, that are there. Um, but I use pretty far out of even being in that conversation with them. So, you know, I think of the wins that IU has right now, the Ohio state win is probably their best. I think it would be good for Ohio state to actually string together a few wins, although not when they play IU to make that game look a little bit better. Um, you know, otherwise I just doesn't have a ton to hang its hat on. You know, the win over Maryland came at home. They've certainly played better of late, but I'm not sure that as a, it, you know, they got so far to go. I'm not sure that helps you too much. And, and a lot of the teams that IU played in the non-conference are competing for their, uh, their league lead at this point. So Wright state is kind of close. The horizon leads a jumbled mess, but they're up there. Morehead state is winning the OVC. Kennesaw State was pretty close to the top of the Atlantic Sun. So you do have some of those teams, but it's just like those aren't at-large caliber teams. So while it helps you for them to continue winning, 
it's unlikely that they're going to win enough to really emphasize those wins. So the best thing that IU needs to do right now is just win a whole bunch of games. Um, and to get themselves into that, that fixes a lot of the metrics because they're going to be projected to lose a lot of these based on the metrics. So even just winning in close games in those scenarios where it didn't help IU when they were playing lesser teams, beating teams that are better than you, even by a small margin, does a lot to help your efficiency metrics and kind of get you into that part of the conversation. Uh, Bill asked a really good question uh, about, you know, individual players, offensive and defensive abilities and how that might limit some of the decisions the coaches are making. It's a great question, but that's an entire episode. So I'm going to save that uh, as a potential episode topic as we move forward, because it's a really good question. We just don't have time to properly address it here. The last question we'll talk about this evening uh, from T. Offerly again how do we keep a balance in discussing slash complaining about IU's performance and not impacting future recruitments uh, or retainage of, of IU talent? I very much would like to keep our talent understanding the pressure of NIL and quote unquote, gotta go culture. Um, so Ryan, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Uh, oh, how, should Indiana, how should Indiana, cause I, I kind of have a thought on this, but I'm curious what you look, I, I, I do think that Indiana's fan base can be a turn off at times. I don't think so much the players, but I do know it affects coaches. Um, I think the players, once they're here, it might affect them. I don't think, I think there's too much good from the fan base, you know, when they're recruits and things like that for it to be much of an issue. Um, but what I would say is you can criticize the stuff on the court. Um, don't go after the people, you know, don't get personal with it. You're allowed to criticize play on the court and you're allowed to say, Hey, this isn't good enough. I, I know I get paid to do this and this is our, you know, this is my show, but if I was talking with friends or on the internet or on Twitter and didn't have this show, I'd say the same thing. Like this isn't good enough. I'm sorry. It really isn't good enough. Um, you're allowed to do that. And, and, and guess what? Recruits see the same things we do there. This isn't so Indiana's struggling season. Isn't a, uh, like a secret, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think that, yeah, it's when it gets personal is the problem. Yeah. You know, I think one thing that I'm probably going to try and do a little bit more of is keep the emotion out of the out of the more public statements that are easy to find, right? Like tweets. I think for the rest of the season, I'll still be pointing out facts and providing just, you know, analysis, but some of the more emotional stuff, I think, especially if it's negative and frustration, that's better for the private discord. That's better for even a show, which someone would really have to, you know, kind of invest time to like watch the show. It's not as cheap of a, uh, of a time investment as just seeing a tweet. Um, and so I think like some of those public things where it's just so easy to fire off an emotional take, I think as fans, if you maybe, if we maybe find a different outlet for that, when things are going bad, that can't hurt. Um, you know, and so that's why we have, you know, the private discord chat and we have the, the private Substack chat and the private comment section, uh, so that those can kind of be places where, you know, Hey, if, you know, if it's, there's a little bit of emotion on top of your objective disappointment, um, you know, maybe keeping that keeping the emotion more positive uh, in, in some of those more public places, I think can, can probably be a benefit as we go down. So that's one small little adjustment I plan to make. Um, but it, you know, I otherwise uh, agree with what you said, Ryan. Um, okay. That's it. 
I believe that is all the questions that we have. Uh, so let's wrap up. That'll do it for us on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, you can join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. As always, thank you to Bob Thompson for producing our music. Thank you to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back on Saturday after IU Illinois. Until then. Take it from me, Juwan Morgan. Keep your elbows in, eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Here I come. This is done, Sony. I'm usually one that's more apt to have like a turkey burger as opposed to a hamburger. Like, I, I mean, I, I, you know, Valerie took burger, up, my ass. Valerie took up for me. I think it was on Twitter, or maybe in the community. I that's all that I needed. I don't need, she did. you know, Valerie it, had it's your not as if I don't know. I don't even need to get into it. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I'm going to play the music. Ryan, are we going to tell the story? Andy, Let's are you going to hang? Are you going to hang around for the uh, Facebook I, story? I got to run. I, I I will certainly listen back to it though. I will say, I, in looking, I couldn't see when I joined uh, the group. But membership member? <laughs> membership is low. I will say uh, at this point. Um, but yeah, I'm still. I mean, I'm still a member. I still believe in the core principles of the group. So I don't know why yes. I would leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah t-shirts t-shirts are next um all right thanks andy i mean all right uh, we'll talk to you <laughs> talk to you soon man all right sounds good see you guys when the show is over but there's more to be said pour yourself a drink now put the kitties to bed it's time to cut loose No more censored remarks So cozy up chat mob It's time for AC After Dark Oh man, Bob Thompson is the man. That's I enjoy so that. I enjoy that every time we get to play it. Okay, Ryan. So let's talk about the infamous Facebook group that you yeah, inspired. I did. So um it was my senior year. I used to get I mean, I was the the IDS basketball columnist, and I don't think people understand how many people used to read the IDS. I oh mean, gosh. you couldn't man. find it on campus. Like, it yeah. was after, like, 10 o'clock. They were all gone from all mm-hmm. the things. The circulation was massive. And I would go it just, to... It was just a daily part of IU everybody. life, man. It was. Yeah. Everybody. And yeah. I didn't... Like, when I got to, to IU, I didn't understand it because I was a transfer. I'd been at another school, and it, it was different. It was different. And I remember you could get... Um, USA Today, the New York Times, and the IDS. They would be in these big things right next to each other, and they're free on campus. It was a great program. Um, and it was a full newspaper. It was not you know, a small thing. It's gotten smaller over the years because of online and less advertising and all that stuff. But it was a full paper, and it honestly, to this day, is the most professional newsroom I've ever been. It was very 
people took it very seriously. And I was a national sports columnist my junior year for two semesters. Um, I got, I gained a little bit of a following there and people liked it. They would write in saying they liked the column and all that. And so I got the basketball, I got to do the basketball column my senior year and I got to follow the basketball team. Um, they got me credentialed, which they'd never had a, a columnist credentialed before. And you were the I first w- credentialed. I was the first the columnist. Yeah. The reporters used to get the beat writers used to get credential, but not the columnists. Okay. Um, and I think, cause they told me they're like, you're not going to get one. I was like, well, I'll shoot. Cause I actually bought student tickets. Cause I didn't think I was going to get a credential. And then they, they said, well, they, they gave you one. And I was like, awesome. And so, yeah, I got to sit right behind the basket. The, the media seats were much better then than they are now. You were literally right under the basket on the little bit to the right of the basket. Yeah. Um, I didn't have to walk, you know, 50 flights to get to my overhang seat under the balcony. Are you doing media uh, seats for the Penn State? I am. Yeah, I am. Um, I always write uh, something for the big lead. When I'm there, I might as well just knock that out as well. So that was what I told. Uh, did you request a credential, or do I need to do it for you? No, I did it. Okay, cool. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's already it's already locked. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, and I'm doing it for big lead, not assembly call. Um, so uh, that year, my senior year was Mike Davis's last year, and it was a year that started with a lot of promise. You had DJ White and Marco Killingsworth. You had a lot of lot of talent on that team, and DJ got hurt right off the bat. But there were some great games, and early on, it looked like, oh, this team actually has something. And I remember writing in the season preview, and I think my line was, uh, if Mike Davis can't win with this team, he'll have done in, you know, whatever it is, five years, what Jerry Eagley couldn't do in 29. It's turn IU into a soccer school. And it it was true. Like, that was their year. Like, that was the year they were going to turn around for Mike Davis. And the players, by the way, loved Mike Davis. They would have gone through a wall for him. He just wasn't a great on-court coach and wasn't a great fit at Indiana. But as the season went on, I kept saying, look, they have promised Mike Davis he gets this year, and his players will quit on, on, on if they replace him or if they, if they fire him midseason and use one of his – his players will just quit. They want to play for him. And also, my point was repeatedly, like, you'll be replacing him with one of his assistants and running the exact same system, and the system is the problem. And so I was kind of just like, Mike Davis gets his year, and – you know, that year went up and down. It did not go as planned. They struggled a lot. Uh, DJ White wasn't there. If DJ White was there, I think they would have been better. I think Mike Davis might have gotten another year. They lost um, seven out of eight at one point. Yeah, it was it was rough. And um, but so I was arguing in the paper every week, like people I would get as the basketball columnist. And this is insane to say now I would get 500 to 1000 emails a week just from the basketball column my my email was online and people would click it i would hear from people all over the world iu fans from china iu fans from all like yelling at me calling me an idiot some people defending me a lot of the a lot a lot of the players parents reached out to me and were like hey we appreciate you like kind of defending him defending these guys because they're really trying and all that and um but yeah, a lot of people would called me an idiot and told me I was horrible. And I got I got death threats. I got, you know, like what like it was the one of my favorites was I actually got a handwritten letter and uh, it was from a guy in Kokomo, probably with the last name Tonsoni, maybe. I don't know. Uh, no, but it was it was it was a guy in Kokomo and he wrote me this long letter. And in it, he was talking about how I'm from California and I'll never be a true Hoosier. You'll never know what being a Hoosier is like, blah, blah, blah. Hey, whatever his name is. Ball State class of 75. And I was just like, (laughs) 
Come on, man. You don't know what being a Hoosier is like either. Um, so anyway, I, this was, I, I angered a lot of, like a lot of people did not like me. A lot of people, people liked me and, and wrote positive things. But for the most part, the people I would hear from very much did not like me. Um, uh, as a side note, one of the games that year, my dad became a huge IU fan uh, when I was at IU and he would call me after games and we'd break them down and, and whatever. And he, but he'd never been to assembly hall. And so my senior year, I, as I said, I got season tickets, but also had a credential. So I had an extra ticket for the Purdue game. And for Christmas that year, I gave him a new IU hat and inside was a ticket to the Purdue game that actually was a floor seat. And so Dang. I had just, I had just gotten it in the lottery. And so it was the, it's those back benches and I actually went with him and I, I didn't have a seat there. I had a seat with the media, but I sat next to him. We watched the game together and I had written an article and I told my dad, you know, I was taking notes, but I told my dad I was going to write about the game. And really I wrote about my dad and, you know, getting to watch the game with him and all that. And people really responded and liked that column. Um, Even the people who hated me wrote me and said, Oh, that was nice. Um, So that's the backstory to what happened. And you kind of all need to understand that. So, late the season's going badly at one point it's very late in the season and somebody writes me an email and what they would do is they would write it either directly to me or they would write it to the letters to the editor section and i had there was a a section called the jordan river forum in the paper that was two pages and it was all letters to the editor in my senior year i think three separate times it was all just emails to me like so like it would be two full pages of people you know, upset. So uh, this guy had sent it to the uh, opinion section and the, whoever was at the opinion section meant to forward it to the sports editor to be like, Hey, can like, this is, you know, not, we can't run this, you know, but he wound up sending it to everybody at the paper. And the email said, it just tore me apart, just absolutely tore me apart and at one point, you know, it just said, you're horrible. You're awful. I hate you. It's, I don't even know why I read you. You know, I only read you because like, you know, I want to, you know, realize what an asshole you are and like all this stuff. And at one point he called me a no talent West Coast ass clown, which is just great. Like that is it's just an amazing phrase. It's so great. Like I, I legit. And then I would say the last line of it was, I hated every word you've written this year, except for the column about your dad going to a game with you. That was nice, but I still <laughs> wish he would have worn a condom 24 years ago or whatever it was. And I oh like, God, he, really... he said that, you know, and by the way, everybody at the paper saw this. And the funniest part was people were coming up to me. I was in the, and I was, I read it, you know, and I, whatever. And you guys know me. Like, I am totally fine with that. I, I love that kind of stuff. And yeah. somebody came up to me. Actually, people were, like, walking on eggshells around me. Like, I, I walked in. I was working, you know, whatever. And people were, like, not coming up to me. I was kind of like, what's going on? And somebody came up to me, like, dude, are you okay? Like, that was awful. It was so brutal. I'm like, I think we should hire that guy. Are you kidding me? It was, it was hysterical. And yeah. I thought I legitimately thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever read. And I actually you do have an I, amazing sense of humor about yourself. I, I you do not take be, yourself too seriously. What's very funny is people don't expect that either. <laughs> like I, I realize I can be a ridiculous human being. Come on, guys. And also the things I write and say, I understand not everybody feels that way and are going to have criticism for it. I couldn't do my job if I didn't know that. But I just I thought it was legitimately the funniest thing I'd ever heard. I sent it to all my friends. I like literally just like you got to read this. And 
So my two best friends, uh, uh, Gabe and Jeremy, who some of you have met at the meetups before, they, uh, Gabe went to IU. He lived in Indianapolis. Jeremy lived in Milwaukee. We all grew up together. Um, I sent it to them and they thought it was the funniest thing they'd ever read. And they created a Facebook group called Ryan Phillips is a no talent West coast ass clown. And they put as the centerpiece that email and just said that it, the group was dedicated to the greatest email ever sent. And they just thought it would be a funny thing. Like, our, and they sent it to our friends, you know, and they thought it would be a funny thing. 20 people would be in it by like a week and a half in, there were like 7,000 people, members of the group. And they were all just shitting on me. And it was just, and I, I read it. I just thought it was the funniest thing ever. Like I love, I, I, it was hysterical. And the fact that my two best friends had set it up and then they were like, we don't like, we don't get it. What's going on. And then, yeah, it's, you know, Facebook groups were a thing for a while and then they kind of died out. I think it might have like 10 members now. Cause everybody just, you had to like actually re up your spot in the group. And yeah. I remember it was at one of the meetups and we told you guys that story and everybody who was there joined it. And it's, it's a dead group, but it's, and I think that the email is actually down. I don't have an actual copy of it. It is, legitimately yeah, one of the funniest things here. i'm looking at i'm looking at the page right now yeah it's legitimately one of the funniest things i've ever read and i'm sad that i don't have a copy of it. i never thought to keep a copy of it um but yeah like i mean i i think the lesson is just you have to have a sense of humor about yourself you'll go crazy if i took offense to that i would i would have hidden my room for a week like i thought it was hysterical i used to have people my picture was in the paper next to my column and i would have people come up to me at the bars and get angry at me and, you know, generally in person, I'm a pretty reasonable guy. Like I have takes when I talk about sports, but I'm a pretty nice guy in person. And people are surprised. There were more than a few people came up to yell at me and want to buy me a drink because they're like, well, you actually seem like kind of cool guy. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not bad. I mean, we disagree on sports. It's not the end of the world, guys. So, uh, yeah, that's my that's my story of the Facebook group created about me. that got real popular real fast. And yeah, I don't I don't see the letter. But the, the first post from Gabe is here. I've known Ryan since seventh grade. I'm even his roommate right now. He's been called a lot of things over the years, most of them true. But I started this group because he finally inspired the perfect reader hate mail after nearly two years at the IDS. Come celebrate the ass clown that is Ryan Phillips. Thank you for joining. And that's your best friend. <laughs> yeah, that. it's my best friend. Yeah. If you've noticed, uh, I kind of gravitate towards people who can give each other shit. Like, I don't know if you've noticed the the dynamic yes. on the show is, yes. yeah, you got to have a sense of humor about life, guys, and especially about yourself or you'll go uh, crazy. Yes. And especially about this basketball program where you will yeah. go very crazy. And I think it's also, you know, the, I think one of the messages, too, is we are talking about sports. You know, this isn't life or death stuff. And we're going to disagree. People are going to disagree. But, you know don't take it personally. If you disagree, like nobody's hurting each other over this. Um, we have opinions. We're saying it. If you like it, great. Awesome. You know, if you want to argue with us, we love that too. You know, it's a back and forth about something we all love. Um, but you know, taking it seriously and, and, you know, getting angry about it really, uh, it's not worth your time. It's really not. There are bigger things to worry about in the world. Man, we passed two hours for this episode. I know. I'm shocked. That's that is good. All right. Well, I'm glad we were finally able to tell that story. We'll tell many more fun stories in person next weekend. Can't wait. Uh, I know. It'd be great, man. Are All you going to stick around? Are you going to stick around after for a minute? Yes. Okay. All right. See you, everybody. We will uh, talk.